0: Welcome to Close Lines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray.
1: All right, North South Connection. We are back with episode six of Close and Headlines 2.0. We are here with Rocco Martell. Rocco, how was your vacation, buddy?
2: It was great. It was great not to have you in my ear for a week. That's terrible. I, I'm just kidding. It was great. I'm happy. Uh, I missed five, episode six, 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 the no- episode of The Beast. I'm very excited to uh, to be back with you guys.
1: Did you go to the Jersey Shore, and did you fist bump? I think everyone wants to know.
2: <laughs> I was in the uh, part of the Jersey Shore that's more for uh, chilling than partying, so uh, I did not fist bump. I got drunk as shit, but I did not fist bump. I did steal a pack of cigarettes from my adjacent hotel person's uh, <laughs> balcony, and uh, and a drunken fit. I climbed over the balcony and stole some cigarettes. So that was probably the weirdest thing I did all weekend.
1: You fucking thief, you. All right, Rossi, what's up, buddy? How's it going? How is Beyond? We'll get into it later. I enjoyed American Rana. How about you?
0: I thought it was good. I mean, I think that the stuff that, uh, the stuff that wasn't supposed to be that great, like over-delivered. So yes. I thought that made the whole the whole card go top to bottom. But but yeah, no, happy to have Rocco back in the fold. Um, You know, we maybe we can have him talk about his band and, and drug intake as well as the day goes on. And, <laughs> yeah, and uh, organic. Organic. Yeah. Man, and today's WrestleMania six of our pod. So, I mean, we're going to be like earthquake Hercules today. So mm.
1: and of course, thank you for Marcus Fuller for filling in for the whole episode last week. That was awesome. Marcus killed it as usual. And but this time we have. The wonderful Jenny Smith, not Jennifer Smith. Jenny Smith, what is going on?
3: Hey, boys. um, Hard to follow Marcus because that was a good episode, but happy to be here with you guys.
1: Yeah, Jenny, we don't know how long we're going to stay. We might get sick of you and kick you out. But that's we'll
2: fine. See. Speaking of Earthquake, uh, that's Jenny's oh. favorite wrestler because he kills snakes. So I don't know if you guys oh know that. Oh,
1: God.
3: Why did I do this?
1: <laughs> you have a snake phobia, Jenny? A little bit. That's little fine. Bit don't worry about it (laughs) all right and then at at the end of the episode we got the heavy hitter coming in we got chad campbell to go over the southern scene and we have a little north south connection i guess Showdown, indie showdown we'll call it but we'll see how that goes let's get into the news boys and girls Johnny Gargano is back last night or last Monday on Monday Night Raw, 10 o'clock. No spoiler, no inkling, no nothing. Rebel Heart plays and Toronto goes absolute apeshit. I, I really loved how they do it. I didn't I loved no how there was no red herons. I loved how he just came out with no introduction, no nothing. And he felt like a big star. Of course, he's quirky, nerdy Johnny, but he looked like a big star and he was presented as a big star. So I, I have high hopes that he's able to organically not shove down your throat, Triple H, on a absolute bending rampage of getting this guy over. I hope he can organically have that star feel that he does have. So I'm looking forward to him. Rocco, how do you feel that Johnny is going to kind of turn out on this landscape of triple h's vision of wwe
2: yeah it's definitely going to be interesting to see how he is treated on the the main roster um and since he was such a big part of the nxt run um it is cool how like if you present someone as a star they'll just be perceived as a star right and there's no you know and it's very cool to see that um his personality is a little strange to me but like you said organically it could grow and you know, an underdog. It's funny because he left as a, a heel, and now he's back as a babyface, obviously. And uh it'll be interesting to see him portrayed as that's the the, the, uh, the underdog, like uh, a Johnny Gargano Royal Rumble Iron Man fucking run might be a very cool thing to watch, right? So I'm uh, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, it to me, it's got to be organic. It can't, but he is organically like loved in a way jenny do you love him do you like him where are you with johnny
3: i i like him i've missed him for sure yeah,
1: a good way to put um, it i missed him too
3: I, I don't know about theory i don't know if i want to see that but i mean i guess you gotta start somewhere
1: what, what's up with theory what you don't like his mustache goatee
3: facial features um no i just i don't know he just you know just rubs me the wrong way he just i just don't like him
1: I think he's supposed to rub you the wrong way though
3: i understand that but i don't i don't enjoy his wrestling i'll tell you that
1: no i like austin theory i think he i think he's got big upside and i think that he organically could turn into a baby face in a few years but right now is like a douchey plucky young heel I. i think he's solid i think he has a good look um, I think he he's polished enough for a 24 year old guy to have good WWE matches with solid veteran stars like AJ Styles and Kevin Owens and guys of like that. And I you know, perceived Johnny wrestling match. Maybe they throw it for the briefcase. Maybe they just have like a little mentor battle or whatever. But I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Rossi, where are you with that? You think theory is the right guy to stick with Johnny right away?
0: I, I think it is, and here's why. The there there's so many connections Gargano has on this main roster now, or um, on the Raw roster. You've got Champa. You've got Loomis running around, just kidnapping, doing God knows what with the Miz. And then you've got Theory, who he pretty much developed and made his own. Um, a couple of cool things there, um, as far as like the mentions that how he got the Mania before him, which he mentioned he got two Mania. I think he forgot the Pandemic Mania that he was on when he was with Zelina's Zelina Stable, um, but. I, I thought that you kind of had to give Gargano one of those like loose ends to tie up before you really get him into the next level, and it's kind of probably a comfort level thing for Gar- for Gargano too, right? Like he looks so small next to a guy like Theory. He would have looked so much smaller next to like a guy like Owens or a guy like God knows who else you could have had with him, you know. Um, But kind of get his feet wet. You know, he's been off TV for a while. Um, You know, I I still think that you might see him pop up in NXT at some point and tie up a loose end with Waller uh, because that's kind of low hanging fruit as well. Um, But I really just thought that with the amount of people, the connections that he has on that roster, you had to put him in with somebody right off the bat. And I'm glad it wasn't Ciampa. So I thought Theory was the right
1: I would have just thrown him with almost and had him squash almost. What do you think?
2: (laughs) It is a good choice because it's like you're you're being rewarded for knowing the past. Like a lot of NXT guys, when they come up to the the main, you know, main deal, it's like it never existed before. You know, that's how it was done in the past. But you're rewarded for knowing that these guys were a thing, and it's cool.
1: Yeah, that's a you know a staple of Triple H's NXT Black and Gold. He would even do that with indie stuff, with ROH stuff, or. You know, past promotions that they were cross paths with, with Impact, whatever. Just for whatever wrestler we're talking about, you know, think of the undisputed era. He's linked all those guys together because they were loosely affiliated in NGPW and ROH and other like you know,
2: indie promotions. So yeah, and having like Keith Lee, Diamond, Dijakovic having matches in NXT, kind of the same deal.
1: Yeah, so he Triple H is that's kind of his lane. He's not afraid to you know go off other people's idea he didn't invent wrestling like Vince McMahon's approach to booking you know but anyways uh NXT UK is done guys um it's kind of a good time I think to kind of just put a little bow on that promotion and put it on the sidelines for now they'd be saying that NXT Europe will relaunch in 2023 uh maybe perhaps I don't know but meshing 2.0 in UK right now with a world's collide on Labor Day weekend right before All Out is Perfect timing, in my opinion. You know, the draft is around the corner. That's what we're going to get into in a little bit. And it's a good opportunity to kind of mesh those rosters together to beef up NXT so we can strip NXT and flush it out with Triple H's new vision on the main roster, draft or not. So, Rossi, you know, you're a big 2.0 guy. Are you afraid that UK is going to, I don't know, get too... I don't know. I can't think of a bad British <laughs> adjective to make it weird and wonky like British people are. No offense, but anyways, do do you think so?
0: No, because overall, I think that it's almost going to be like 3.0 now. Um, you know that that vision that Vince had for 2.0 definitely worked to an extent. I mean, they definitely made a couple of more stars than they would have otherwise, like your bronze and your cores and things of that nature but ultimately i feel like it's going to be more of a work rate style again with triple h back at the helm and if you're going to do that these uk guys are every single one that's coming over is a good worker um davenport didn't really look great uh, tuesday night but i feel like you know that might have been a nerves thing you know she has you know other than the aw run she's never really had like a national like u.s run so um let's see what happens with her but like Tyler Bate, no, no show is going to be bad with Tyler Bate on it. Um, Miko, I kind of think Miko is going to lose this strap and then, you know, go back and maybe be a coach in this NXT Europe. I feel like this NXT Europe is going to be more of like a like a super developmental to kind of get, you know, some yeah. young British stars and stuff like that in there, um, and not like the UK that we've seen now. But overall, I think the the show is going to be better by having these UK people over there. And even like like Regal's kid coming in and being uh, Chase U, stuff like that. You're going to kind of see those guys inkling in um, over time. And I really think eventually we're going to get another Triple H indie signing spree. Um, And when that happens, now you're going to have like this super NXT again. And I'm I'm excited for it. And I I didn't dislike 2.0. But I definitely feel like, you know, the way Triple H is going to look at it, it's going to be closer to, in vain to like what his old NXT was as to what 2.0 was going to be. So it all fits in, if we're going that direction.
1: Yeah. Now, Rocco, you you have to watch. You can only we're only allowing you to watch one pay-per-view Sunday night, Memorial Day weekend. Is it All <laughs> Out or is it World Collide?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll be watching All Out instead of that. <laughs> but doesn't mean I'm not. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you're the,
1: staggered. You can watch him.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um. i i like the i the big thing is to me is the trend seven not being a part of the uh the people that were brought over which is kind of strange to me um i do like that the name is going to change because i feel like nxt uk confused people like dumb wrestling fans who are confused that people who were not from europe were not from the uk were in it and just want to complain about shit so they'll complain about it where it's like you know, not every wrestler from Mid-Atlantic was from the Mid-Atlantic region of the United States, but I think just wrestling fans want to complain. So just kind of rebranding it is kind of cool. And having these guys come over and get a little even though, I mean, they'll just get bigger coming here. And I don't know. Do you think it means that that's it? They're not going to go back to a UK or a Europe like a like a teller beach should be on the fucking main roster, right?
1: Oh, Tyler Bitt, yeah, he should be. But he's also still 23 years old, or even 22, 23 years old, and he might be smaller than Gargano, but he's a hell of a wrestler, and he, you know, he can go in there credibly against anyone, in my opinion, especially under the Triple H regime. Jenny, who is your favorite European champion of all time?
3: British Bulldog. <laughs> he was the <laughs> European champion. It cow oh, shit.
1: So maybe so you're trying to say yeah, I that's... feel like
3: I didn't know that, sir.
1: <laughs> I had to think real quick. I I well I just jumped on my surprising myself that I remember that he was the first one. So sure. Do you think this is going to happen in 2023, or are they just kind of throwing smoke up our ass to, so they can release a bunch of people and uh, get away with
3: it? Um, I think that depends on any future world pandemics probably <laughs> in 2023. <laughs> So your monkeypox and whatnot. Um, if everybody can can stay healthy, uh, I don't know. He he's got a lot on his plate, so that might be sort of long term, big idea. I don't know.
1: Well, the groundwork is there because he's been talking about this for six, seven years now, really. Since your UK start started, he had this big global vision. So the groundwork's there, the idea's there, and maybe the hoops of Vince McMahon and whoever are kind of out of the way and he's able to do it. So I don't know. Triple H is a pretty creative guy. He's a passionate guy. So I could definitely see him kind of doing it.
3: Can I ask you something? Do y'all feel like all of this stuff has moved incredibly fast? Like since Vince got ousted, like it just seems like everybody was just waiting for this to happen. <laughs> like they had all this shit set up. And then as soon as he's out, they're just boom, 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 making moves. Was there, was all this already done or was it a surprise? So, and they're just
0: reacting. So my thought. Yeah. Here's my thought on that is that Vince had kind of thinned this roster out so much mm-hmm. that when you were watching a raw, like a three hour raw, you're like, holy shit, how many segments is Austin Theory going to be in? Um, or, you know, Oma Omas is getting two, three segments a night. It, There was definitely space to bring these guys up to the main roster and just make the show feel more coherent and kind of feel like you're getting more out of it. So it it was kind of it feels like a major tweak um, to like the viewer that, Mm -hmm. you know, just to see all these new names come in. But I feel like the show just makes a lot more sense now and it flows better. And it's just more of like a Triple H vision. I mean, you think back to like Triple H's old NXT the amount of shit he would get into a one hour episode was crazy. And now, you know, looking at, I mean, even this past Monday, longer matches, but matches make sense and everything's built up. Like they built that edge match up for two weeks. I don't remember the last time Vince built up a raw match for more than one week. And, and even then was kind of getting spotty. It was like 24, more, 48 hours mostly.
1: More of the time. than one night,
0: brother. Yeah. So that's where I really feel like it was more of like a more reformatting of the show and just realizing that shit, I have a lot of space to bring more bodies in to make this show feel whole. Cause you'll notice like SmackDown other than cross um, hasn't really had as many of that like infusion in, Um, but over time, you know, once we get out of the castle, maybe that will start to happen as well. Um, But what I've seen with SmackDown is you've had more, like more time for the women you like this tournament's kind of been good as far as getting you know all all the women have been on tv way more than they ever were in the vince regime so it's really cool how they've kind of been able to maximize that smackdown roster but also you know where raw was three hours they found a way to make that three hours way more entertaining like almost overnight yeah
3: it's shocking it's (laughs) meaningful it happened
0: and you
2: got to figure like a trips is like it's like the like the queen of england's kids are just waiting for this chick to die so they could like get on with it
3: that's the feeling i get like that's how it comes across to
2: me right like you got to figure he's just been thinking about this shit for years just being like when is it gonna happen when are they gonna and then it just never did and finally it did and he's just like these scenarios have been running through this dude's head for fucking years probably and it's it's sad because a lot of the pieces he would have loved to have used or gone now, and it's kind of funny when people would shit on AEW for signing so many people. It seems pretty smart that they did that now because <laughs> guys like Keith Lee and all these dudes that they signed away are those are toys that Triple H cannot use. That like, fuck, man, I would love a a, a Keith Lee on a, a Raw at this point, but you know it just ain't gonna happen now. But yeah, I figure he's just been planning this forever.
1: And not to get too much in the weeds and sure, he planned it. But how much did he premeditate it to? <laughs> and yeah, that's he, happened, is yeah. he the one that's planting the leaks? Is he the one? Yeah. Long, Great story question. Short, Great question. long story short, Vince kind of fucking pulled his dick out of his pants and, <laughs> and showed him who was boss, really. You know what I mean? So is this his dirty way of getting back at him? And he was ready for it, too. So I don't know. It's interesting. That's another day for another rabbit hole.
3: Yeah, sorry.
2: If he did, if it, he it, did, it, then it, I yeah. want to thank him for that. Cause.
1: Yeah, I know, right? I know. I know. All right, so there's a lot of reports out there about the draft. Ah, it's going to be after the castle. Ah, it's going to be week one of NFL. No, it's going to be week two of NFL, but it's WrestleMania. It's the weekend after WrestleMania. Who the hell knows, guys? But let's just play the game and say the draft is – the Monday and Friday after the cast Monday and Friday, two weeks after the castle. Let's just say that right for now. Anyways, Rocco, when is the best time if triple H is asking Rocco Martone, what, when is the best time on the WWE calendar to do this draft? What would you tell triple H?
2: Um, I don't know if I like it right after mania, cause I don't think everything should end. At, like, I, I agree. It shouldn't just, every feud should not end. And then you got like these like loose uh, things. I kind of, traditional tv is september right so the season starts in september and if you want to have that as like because it is a ratings thing and that's like maybe when sweeps happen maybe november would be a good time to do it like a, a sweeps thing and then you have the survivor series with the weird uh, you know the versus thing which i hope they fucking get rid of but yeah i guess maybe for that like uh since it always does well in the ratings maybe like a november sweeps thing would be a good time for it and that sets up well, then you don't have the – yeah, that's, I think that's a good way to do it.
1: Now, Jenny, what if I asked you, when would be the best time to do a WWE draft? Do you care, or what would you say if Triple H asked you?
3: Um, I don't particularly care, but let's do it tomorrow. How about it? <laughs> all
1: right. All right. Let's get it, Jenny. You might get your chance. You might, you might be the Price is Right winner on that. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, $1, we'll...
3: please.
1: $1? All right, cool. Well, I would say after Backlash – just like Rocco said, not everything has to finish after WrestleMania. You know, you have your WrestleMania buzz on some guys. Let that play out. You got your WrestleMania feuds, might need another match or two. Let that play out. But say Backlash is at the beginning of May, end of April. I would do it, at, say, middle of a week or two after Backlash of WrestleMania. So that's kind of my sweet spot. You got six months of the Survivor Series if you want to keep that. You got plenty, plenty of time to play. You get You can build up a big match for the SummerSlam, you can build up a big match for you know, if you really like a guy, you can kick him off with money in the bank right there and it just you can project to the Royal Rumble and project long term to WrestleMania with if you did it with WrestleMania backlash. Now Rossi, do you have any outside of the box examples before we get into our little game?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I heard this somewhere else, but I'm going to roll with it cuz I really liked it is uh do it the day after the day one pay per view, which is on a Sunday, New so Year's So day, day two? So day two draft. <laughs> um so here here's why. Um you, you do day one, that can really feel like the kickoff to the new year, which it is. And then not only that, you know, all your guys are gonna mesh with each other at the Royal Rumble anyways. So you really have an opportunity to kind of set up your mania from there. And I mean, yeah, maybe in a triple H triple HR, we start seeing the builders to mania kind of kicked to where it used to be at survivor series, but I, that's the one thing that I don't like about how they used to do it in October is it kind of made that like raw versus SmackDown thing kind of feel wonky. Like, Hey, we did this draft. And then in a week, you're going to, you know, fight for your brand. Like it was weird. Um, so, so now I like the idea of doing it at the beginning of the year to kind of really, you know, kick that mania push into high gear, because in reality you're getting these guys on a show. You can, you have like three or four weeks before the rumble to kind of see how everything goes. And then you can just have these guys interact with each other in a rumble. um, Maybe give some, some weird blow off matches, you know, on that, on that show, because a lot of the mania, I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of the rumble title matches really don't carry any weight when it gets to mania anyways. Um, but, the, but the Rumble itself does. So I really like that spot. I feel like it could work. Um, and, you know, you do that against, you know, the NFL season just ends around then. So that's where, you know, you might start to get more viewers into Raw and SmackDown. And those viewers that first come over back to, I'm sorry, first come over to Raw because Monday Night football's over, they might stay now because they feel like they saw the start of the year um, and then stick around. Now, maybe you're, you're touching, you know, your two, 2.5 million with ease every Monday and, and I just think it's a good idea. I think it's something I never thought of, but I really like
1: it. I never thought of it. I think it's funny that we all, all four of us have different answers. And I'm kind of interested on what would be the, I, I don't know if any of us are right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if there's an outside the box example that would be right, and I don't know what is right. But anyways, let's play the game, guys. My game, my thing of the week is, just like last week in a way, I want to have a mini WWE draft. So I, there's four of us, I three rounds, I want one, round one is going to be Raw. So any super any wrestler, man or female, that would be called up from NXT, or any wrestler that is currently on the quote unquote SmackDown brand, even though it's a little muddy. And then round two will be SmackDown. Same thing, NXT call-up, or but this time on the Raw brand. And then round three is NXT and NXT is, an give me an example, like Ziggler around WrestleMania, Apollo Crews and Mandy Rose now. You know, just someone called down to work with the younger guys, go on a run, someone a little stale on the main roster that could use, you know, a facelift or whatever. No pun intended with Mandy Rose. So let's go outside the box. Rocco, I'm going to give you the first pick for Monday Night Raw. Jennifer, second, Rossi, your third, and I'll go last. Rocco, first pick for Monday Night Raw. What do you
2: got? I feel bad because I think I'm stealing. Probably going to steal this from Mike, or, but a uh, toxic attraction. Um, Lame. <laughs> uh, SmackDown probably needs more uh, women on it, but I feel like Raw could use that extra hour to really have it be the woman show. And have they have the, a lot of heavy, heavy hitters on there already, so adding that group I think would be really cool to have up there and... Uh, also, I'll throw in uh, Give Them Gary, by Darren <laughs> Baron Corbin, so he's off SmackDown, and SmackDown will finally have like a pretty solid show without a, a bad wall on it. But yeah, Toxic Attraction.
3: Perfect.
1: Jenny, who do you got?
3: Well, um, Rocco just stole uh, yeah. my answer. Well, I didn't pick the whole group. I just picked Mandy because, let's face it, we just want to see Mandy. Um, I want her to go to Raw in, in this new um, this kick-ass persona that she has and – because she didn't really get to do this <laughs> previously. No. So I want her to do this on the main stage, what she does in NXT.
1: I think it could work. She has this weird confidence. not a weird confidence. She has this, like, with sustainable confidence now before. Yes. you would, You would see small pockets of before, but there was no real substance besides just being the hot chick. Now mm-hmm. she can kind of go out there and have these like solid matches for Mandy Rose. And she's like a competent wrestler. <laughs> and she has some backup with the girls that I really like. And the the whole presentation and presence in aura is, I think, kind of special. And I think Mandy Rose mm-hmm. is a great pick. I don't know how far I would go with her on the
2: main roster, but I think if you kind of went with her, she would have a chance, if that makes sense. I think she was, she, she had cool matches pre NXT. Like she, she did. Yeah, like she was a like she's pretty like stiff. She's like a, a hard hitter in the ring. I think she was handcuffed because I think Vince McMahon's an archaic asshole who's like mm. a, a beautiful woman shouldn't fight like that. And he has weird ideas about how, how women should fight and stuff like that. So I think she was a lot handcuffed a lot by that whole thing. And I just don't think that that feud with um, Sonya was the best thing for her either. But uh, I think she was handcuffed and I think she had like bangers and I think she could be a, a good She's an underrated bruiser of a kind of style of a fighting.
3: Uh, Her glow up feels natural, like no pun intended, but like her body's sick and she knows how to take photographs and talk. So like she is a whole deal visually (laughs) Um, and she has the confidence that comes with that and can get in a lot of faces.
0: She can get my I, I think I think it showed how valuable she was to them by just by them even sending her to NXT because she needed that fresh coat of paint because they they just weren't whatever they were trying to do like the shit with Otis was good TV during pandemic but after that once all the fans are back then the fans wanted to see your Bailey's, your Sashas um, things of that nature so um, that's where she, you know I th- it really showed the value that they they saw in her by sending her down there giving her that fresh coat. But not only that, kind of how quickly she got the other two over um, with with Priscilla or, or um, Gigi Dolan and, and J.C. Jane, that that was really impressive because that just they all fit together so well. And I don't think if you send Dana Brooke down to NXT, she does that. You know what I mean? So overall, it was a huge benefit for everything. And, and those three girls are all going to be stars the second they get called up. So good pick, guys. All right, Rossi, who you got? All right, so I'm not going NXT. Surprisingly, I am going to take Butch from SmackDown. I'm going to put him on Raw, and I'm going to give him Pete Dunne's back. Um, yes. and Let's put <laughs> him into some bangers with your Gargano's, your um, Kevin Owens, whatever you want to do with that roster there. And and I think that you know that's a good way to reset him is get him away from Sheamus and um, Ridge, and now he's Pete Dunne on Raw.
1: Perfect. Now I'm going to take that same energy and give it to Max Dupree and repackage him as LA Knight, just kind of let him quickly move away from the maximum male models. Under Vince McMahon, might it worked? Uh, probably not, but it, ha- it has a better chance of working. It doesn't really feel like it's a Triple H thing based off what they've been doing. There's some a little equity there that they can do with Mansoir and Mace or Massaise, but, but have them do that with Maxine Dupree just get LA Knight away from them and just kind of throw him on raw and just rise him up I think he has theory upside on it like an older guy scale and I think he can can kind of go on like a a better version of a Bobby Roode push like when he got called up so oh I think this I think he's super charismatic he can talk and raw is the perfect place for him to fill his time and use his energy all right. So, guys, this is fantasy football style. So it's a reverse draft. So swerve. I'm first this time. Oh, so <laughs> I swerved you guys. So anyways, the guy from Smackdown that I'm moving to Raw is Bobby Lashley. All right. So kind of like Drew McIntyre last year where was just like, all right, he did a lot on Raw. He's a little played out on Raw and he's done his thing. I'd find, I don't know if I'm swapping the US and the IC, that, whatever. If Lashley's the champ, great. If we want, if we got to get stripped the belt from him or have him lose in a three way or whatever, let's just get him off the belt and position him kind of like they've positioned Drew all year on, on a project, on a rising projection for a big, big match with Roman Reigns. If it's, I don't know, whatever. You want to have him be at the Rumble, uh, WrestleMania Backlash, SummerSlam next year, wherever money in the bank, wherever, wherever we can get to a Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre or Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns, big hardcore match. That's a hot fight that the world needs to see. And I think SmackDown's is a perfect place for this since this is a snake draft Rossi. You're up next.
0: All right. So what I'm going to do here is I am going to first in NXT, you know, we've teased some dissension with diamond mind. Um, I am going to get rid of, um, I can't think of his name right now, but, um, Gable Stevens, okay. brother. I'm going to send him to do a singles push in NXT or, or a singles wrestler in NXT. And, and I'm going to bring up, um, Roger strong in the creeds to SmackDown. Um, now people might think, oh, the creeds are too young. They're not ready. Yeah, they are. They're better than almost every tag team that's on the main roster now, um, and they kind of have shown that charisma. They might not be ready on the mic, and Roderick definitely isn't. But these three can get over with their in ring work and in their in ring work only. Um, the the fire that this this these Creed brothers have shown over the last couple years or a couple months, I should say, has been insane. Um, even when before they won the titles, the that gauntlet match they were in, I mean. Talk about a babyface turn! Uh, Those guys looked incredible there. And here's the deal: we've seen the Usos with everybody in the main roster, so let's get the Creeds up there. Let's get that going. Um, Don't do it right away. Give the Creeds the opportunity to have your matches with your Humberto's and your um, Angel Garza's, and then they can have their matches with the Viking Raiders. They could do whatever, but ultimately the Usos will be the final end game there. And I know that doesn't have to be SmackDown, but I feel like SmackDown would be the best spot for it, Um, you know, and then eventually, you know, maybe even get Gable and Otis over as well. And that's an even more intriguing matchup. So that would be my pick is get the creeds over there. And also it kind of gives Broderick a shot to kind of make a little bit more money for himself. He's kind of been the ultimate um, glue guy down at NXT. All his buddies took the money and left. He didn't. He stayed. Um, but ultimately, I feel like this would be a good reward for him, is get him up on the main roster, and you know he'll fit much more into a SmackDown now than he ever would have with Vince. So I think it'll all work, and that's a that's a threesome that I think would really turn some heads on that SmackDown brand.
1: Yeah, well now we're just gonna work through the kinks of them kind of fucking each other up the last six months. All right, Jenny, who do you got on the SmackDown brand?
3: All right, um, so I saw. This guy at a house show, an NXT house show, um, a couple of years ago, and sort of fell in love with him and his character. And his name is Cameron Grimes. Grimes. Right. So I, I want to put him on SmackDown. Um, I he's he's it's like he's a weird looking guy. Like he doesn't look like a wrestler at all. And his gimmick got a little wacky and crazy. Um, but I think he's a good performer and um live he blew me away. Um I'll let you guys um think of some matches there uh, from SmackDown that Cameron might get have. Maybe with um with old uh Pete Dunne coming back. So Sami Zayn. Yeah.
1: There we go. Ugly hair, beard situation. Yeah now. loser has to shave. What do you think? Oh there you go. Love the it- pick, Jenny Rocco, what's up?
2: Kind of was uh I was I was thinking like guys I want to see fight the guys on SmackDown because SmackDown has a lot more dudes I like watching wrestle so I was thinking Champa or even like a Gulak even though it barely counts as being on Raw but I was thinking too like maybe Katana and Kaden from NXT because I'd like to just see them be on that roster but then I was thinking Owens I was thinking Owens as the guy who replaces Reigns as the main heel champ on SmackDown um just because he's so fucking entertaining and you can't you know eventually we're gonna have to have a champion that's on the shows again when Reigns is done Mm -hmm. and he's the perfect guy because he everything he does is entertaining you could do his ko show he could just cut a promo um and if you want that fox casual fan kind of thing he has crazy matches he's always good in the ring always believable and is just so entertaining as on the mic no matter heel face whatever he's so believable that you can't no one would tune into that and be like, that guy's acting like a wrestler. No, because he just seems like the real deal. So that's what I would say. I'm gonna take a big name, a big draft pick, and say Owens to SmackDown, caveat that he becomes the champ as well. Perfect.
1: I love it. All right, Rocco, back to you for the last round. Who are you send into NXT to go be that Carpenter and make everyone look good.
2: Um initially I want to say send Dominic there, but like not on TV. To send him there to train <laughs> more because i'm done with him but uh akira tozawa oh, is good one one of the most I underrated wrestlers
0: mm-hmm.
2: um he had one of the best matches i've ever seen live in uh dragon gate usa in uh, union city new jersey it was against uh, this guy bb hulk it was an insane card Moxie was on there homicide it was a crazy card and these guys put on the, one of the craziest matches i've ever seen live and he's the fact that he's a comedy character is, I feel like that is going to be rectified. I feel like Trips is not happy with that happening. So I feel like that's a thing. And he could just go down to NXT and just have great matches. I mean, the guy's like a 15-year vet. Like, he's been around, but he has so little TV time, he's still brand new. So no one's sick of him or anything like that. And I think he could have some sick matches and teach some people. And uh, if they are going to like bring maybe more Japanese talent in, he's a good guy to have down there, too, for that kind of Funaki kind of role. But yeah, he's awesome, and uh, I want to see more of him on TV, and he'd be great. You kind of stole my pick, you fucker. All right, Jenny, Jenny, who you got?
3: Um, okay. So I, I'm curious. Well, y'all are gonna think about this, but um, she's she's only recently been back. i have not really seen what she's been doing since she's kind of come back. But Lacey Evans has always been. Oh, that's a good one too. Uh. Just sort of like a low key favorite of mine, just because I, it's probably the southern thing, I'm gonna be honest with you. But um, I, I liked her little USO gimmick thing that she did. You know, she's real cute. Her body is sick too. And um, I just, I don't, I like her. And um, I think she could do some stuff at NXT. Like, her matches are weird. Like, I think she has a lot of potential that we've maybe not seen in the ring yet.
1: Is it the Southern Bell gimmick that kind of gets you?
3: Uh, It definitely is. (laughs) It's cute. She could do with another run through at NXT.
1: Cool. I like it. I think that's actually a good pick. And I could see that Triple H definitely doing that, being like, I don't know what to do with her. Like, they Mm -hmm. fucked her up so much time, so many. Let's give her like a start over, kind of. Let's just give her a quick set on like NXT and have it be a real reset instead of like a manufacturer reset, and let's see if we can organically get her to where she needs to be. All right, Rossi, I can wait to hear your outside-of-the-box pick.
0: So, I originally was, was thinking Dominic, because I just wanted him, <laughs> want him away from his father, <laughs> and I feel like he needs it. Um, but then I was thinking about Mustafa Ali, but I also think that he can kind of get a new lease under Triple H on the main roster as well, so here we go. We've got a lot of green girls down there. I really like what we got out of her when she was down there with Cora. So I'm sending Natalia to NXT. Now, it sounds crazy, but she's she seems like she's willing to help the younger talent. She does a lot with the, like, the school that she works out of or whatever she's doing. I know Liv is there now. I just saw her post it today. Um, so... Get Natty down there. She can have her matches with her Cora. She can have her matches, matches with Roxanne, uh, Tiffany Stratton. Um, the, the match Cora had with her when Natty was down there last time was was pretty sick uh, for a Cora match at that point. So um, she's the one that I really think fits into that. Um, I I really think she has kind of done all she's going to do on that main roster. I mean, think of when she had this match with, with Ronda. Um, we we talked for three episodes about uh, you know it just doesn't excite me that it's Natty. Um, she's just goofy. She their charisma's lacking. And I mean she, she's she's a type that can go down to NXT and not really have a rebooted character, but just be like this cocky uppity. Um, she doesn't call herself the goat. She calls her the boat. The the best of all time. Have that happen in, in NXT, but have her showcase her talents and work with some of those younger people down there because here's the deal, Natty's done, Natty's been on this main roster for what feels like, you know, what, 15, 20 years now. It hasn't been that long, but it feels it. Um, So let's get her down there. Let's get her to kind of shine up some names up there. And who knows, have some sick matches down there, then we might be more happy to see her when she comes back up and has, uh, you know, a rumble spot or something down the road. All right, you guys all pass for not picking Mad Cat Moss.
1: All right. There's so many names I could pick to reboot, like a Gulak, even like a Jinder and Shanky, even like a Nakamura would be fun. Low key, Sheamus would fucking rule. You know what I mean? Sheamus going down there and killing all those dudes. Mm. But the guy I'm going to like even hold on, even like Mustafa Ali and Cedric would be fun. But the guy I'm going to go with is actually T-Bar. Uh, and just repackage him as Dijak, Chris Donovan DiJack, DiJakovic, if you want to invest in the name that you gave him. Just a reset button, three month uh, run down there, one meaningful feud, um, North American title even if they wanted to, and then as soon as the rumble's around, bring him back or something like. Just find an excuse to get him back quick. Uh, that I think that would be a good reset. Like I, I don't think. A reset on the main roster would work just because there's so much new right now on the main roster with Triple H's vision that I'm afraid that if Dijak got reset, he might get lost in the shuffle. But I think an NXT right now would be a perfect place to kind of reset him. So I would go Donna McDijak slash T-Bar. But I kind of wanted to pick The Miz because I think it would work perfectly. (laughs) Like just think about it, I think the Miz would be absolutely perfect. Like Dolph Ziggler times three. Mm. But anyways. Alright, so guys That will that's it for my thing of the week. Let's jump into the WWE TV report. Last of the Castle is about, from this recording, eight days away. There's two SmackDowns and a Raw left. So there's really a lot that can go on. So it's hard to give a hardline preview, but there are five matches announced. Let's jump into this match kind of deep, and then the other ones will hit quick and move through this quick as we are having a long episode, as usual. The first match that I really want to sink my teeth into is Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns not necessarily stick my our teeth into it so deep since we've kind of been doing it the last six episodes, but kind of like the follow what's going to happen and speculate of them adding like a stipulation/slash a title split thing? All right, so the stare down promo segment to close SmackDown last week finally happened and I thought it delivered, it was really. Drew felt big in the moment, standing and staring at Roman Reigns. He didn't feel like he didn't belong. He didn't feel like Drew coming over to SmackDown where he was, like, damaged because he was beaten on Raw for six months leading into the draft, and he was kind of on a losing streak. He feels like he has momentum. He feels like the big star and the big potential that he has. And if the match feels big. And not that Roman's matches haven't felt big because he's been fighting Brock. And even when he fought Riddle, they made it feel big. But this feels this the way they're presenting Drew makes Roman feel vulnerable, like he hasn't this whole run. And is he is Drew really going to lose or beat Roman? Excuse me. I doubt it. But they're they're giving Drew that feel and the buzz. Um, Rocco, do you feel that or am I just overreacting and kind of hoping
2: No, I I I get what you're saying, and if it was Drew with the sword and the dumb Vince McMahon version of what he thought Drew should be, this would have none of that. But he's going against Roman, who's one of the few guys that's been a very realistic human being with a layered character. One of the few guys, because you know he's a little more autonomy, and uh, Heyman has his finger on the pulse of that guy's uh, whole arc. That you have cartoon drew it would seem silly and it would seem like he has absolutely no choice because it's a goof it's a guy with a sword running around just being fucking foolish but this real dude comes out has a couple cool promos that seem very uh, genuine and uh, when he came out at the pay-per-view and all that stuff like has really established that they're on the same level at least as terms of layered uh characters so that makes it that kicked it up a notch this Pre Drew uh, change would be oh it's just he's just gonna lose in this uh, one off show but now yeah I think you're right that it actually seems like I don't think it's gonna happen but he, he they seem almost on the same level if that makes sense right like
1: yeah and that he seems he, he
2: seems like a true main eventer again not a like he was kind of before the pandemic killed him and
1: he feels rehabbed he feels like he's yeah. ready to be presented in that light if they call upon it now jenny i i love sammy zane what did you think of that segment <laughs> just that three minutes of bliss for me uh where sammy was just finally got his alone time with roman and just the, <laughs> the mannerisms and roman just kind of playing into sammy while being annoyed but at the end he reveals that tell your boy ko that i don't need his help and <laughs> again presenting ko in that light as someone that could unthrown croman that uh, uh that could come around again and be the one to oust the king you know what i mean so yeah. is sammy we always like thought that sammy could be that guy but sammy could be the conduit to get to kevin owens the prize fighter in that presentation but overall that's another day and another conversation what do you think of sammy zane
3: Sammy's awesome. Uh, he's really he's he's so dialed in on on what he's doing. Uh sure. and they have this odd couple sort of chemistry, Sammy and Roman do. And Roman, I think, you know, he, he's so hard, you know, he's like, you know, he's he's the fucking big dog, head of the table, whatever the fuck, uh, God tier, whatever he's doing now. So it's like It's funny to see him with Sammy. It's like you said, that layer that Roman has that, um, you know, sly joke guy. But in the end, he's always thinking strategy.
1: Exactly.
3: Yeah. Being able to use Sammy in that way. Very smart of him.
1: And Sammy took the bullet for him. Is Sammy going to get involved in this? Is always, oh, I don't, he's, he's showing his allegiance to the bloodline. Yep. Now, is is Sammy going to be involved in this match, or at this match, is he going to, like, is he just going to be, is this the conduit to get him and KO to the Usos, or is Sammy going to be involved in the finish, which could lead to K, Sammy or KO versus Roman in the future? What do you think, Jenny?
3: Uh, I feel like he shows up. He feels like
1: he shows up, all right. Now, everybody wants to see
3: him. You
1: know. Yeah, you want to see it now. Rossi, your boy Cross. He's been he his presentation. We got into last episode. We been there, done that. He's lingering, and his focus seems to be on Drew. Now, he's also spooky in a way. Is spooky Bray Wyatt and Spooky Carrion Cross gonna play Halloween and pull a trick and a treat on Roman and Drew and get involved here? Is am I leading too much into this or is Cross just a fallout opponent for either or both of these guys?
0: I think Cross is somebody that beats Drew maybe at uh whatever extreme rules and then kind of see where he goes from there. I, I definitely think Cross is somebody that Triple H is going to kind of have a vendetta to get over and get into a top spot, because that's definitely somebody that Vince didn't like and Triple H always liked um, and kind of uh, like you were saying before. I think Triple H sees a lot of himself in Cross, <laughs> even the presentation with the leather jackets, pretty similar. Um, so I, I don't know that he's going to find his way into costing them the match, or costing Drew the match here. Because I feel like that would just be a, a lame way to end it. And and Reigns really should, you know, be looked strong here, um, you know, in the – U beating Drew in the UK because then it could be like, you know, who's left and whatever. Um, but th- then at that point, Drew, Reigns is going to be off TV probably for a month or so. So I, I really think the cross stuff is really just gearing towards the feud with Drew after the fact. And then you can maybe – if you want to get the cross at Reigns at Survivor Series, then by all means, if they don't do like – well, you can't really do belt for belt at Survivor Series because Reigns got both, right? So uh, unless you do Lashley, but but regardless, um, I'd rather do Lashley and Guther. But um, in reality, I, I feel like Cross here is not going to be involved. I don't think the Bray Wyatt connection's there because I feel like Cross will want uh, – Triple H wants to get Cross over on his own without having to get – that supernatural entity involved and i feel like cross himself has been presented more straightforward than he even did in nxt with scarlet kind of being the spooky side of it if that makes sense i'm a spooky guy
1: you can tell that right like i don't do halloween i don't dress up i'm not i'm not spooky all right so round table real quick two questions each jenny first Are they going to make my dreams come true and split these goddamn unified belts? And and the second question being, is Theory lurking here or
2: not yet?
3: Um, Or the castle? Let's say, yes, they are. And yes, he is.
2: Rocco? Um, Goddamn, they got to separate these belts. And I don't know how they're going to do it. But I don't think Theory's... I think he's just going to be kind of like a... A little bit of a joke with the briefcase. I don't really think he's going to cash in in any way that's significant.
0: Rossi, I I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like theory's closer to losing this title or losing this briefcase than he has ever successfully cashing it in. Um, so no.
1: Well, I meant just as a cash in, not not win or lose.
0: All right. Oh yeah, no. I don't. I don't even think that'll happen. I feel like he's going to lose the Gargano and maybe be forgotten again for another couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: gotcha gotcha all right so the second card announced for the clash of the casual is a six women's tag match bailey eoskai and dakota kai versus bianca Belair, alexa bliss and oscar bailey had a warm-up match against Aaliyah and it wasn't that good but I'm not sure if that's bailey's fault but she looked decent within that match structure with freaking Aaliyah. whatever but Aaliyah's whatever uh eo and dakota are in the finals of the tag titles there's a fatal four-way to face raquel in aliyah on the smackdown side this friday night on smackdown not sure who's coming out here but it, but the reason i mentioned that is i'm not sure if the tag titles are going to be decided by the castle so that's another thing to kind of add in here too where if they say if eo and dakota were somehow winning the title would they put like all three belts on the line and winner take all type of thing i'm not i'm not sure that's just me like being weird and fantasy booking like i do and like i am at times but but anyways and then bianca's kind of just been chilling i'm good with it um she feels like a star she doesn't have to do much to be projected as a star rocco you know what do you where are you on this match and do you have anything to add
2: yeah, I mean, it's six people I really like, uh, some of them all-timers for me, so it, it, you don't really get the women's six-man, like, super, like, uh, what was that, backlash with the, the bloodline that was a super cool, like, six-man match, where that's, you know, it's just gonna be a balls-to-the-wall kind of thing, and they really have never done that with uh, the women, so with all the people in this match, this could be a show stealer, I think, it's the one I'm most excited for, maybe, and uh, so... I feel like Bailey, the match wasn't the greatest, but I think because she changed, she changes her style. She's one of the few people that really does change her style once she became a heel. And I feel like she probably should have just ate her up, but she gave away a little bit, because I think that's like a project they're trying to have this girl, like, do, uh, they're trying to make this girl seem a little better than she is. So I think Bailey probably should have just ate her up and destroyed her. And, uh, but I don't think that's Bailey's fault. Um. I think the tag titles should be decided like the Monday after the Castle show. That should be the main event of Raw, and it should definitely hold up on that. And um, Yeah, Bianca just, I mean, maybe she could have a little more uh, No, I think what she's been doing, because I don't want to see her fight every week. I don't want the world champ to fight on Raw every week, you know? So I like that she's just kind of been coming out and being part of this, and uh, she makes this six-man even more important because the champ is in it too, right? So I think it's really cool, and I think the like I said, the, the bloodline kind of six-man match that I'm talking about—that's that's where that's my that's what I think this match will be. I think it's going to be that good, and uh, I'm very excited for it.
1: Yeah, uh, Jenny, I know you love Bianca Belair. You I good do. with her? You good with her just chilling, doing her thing? Is she still flipping her hair? Did she stop that?
3: She still flips it. Um, I think that she is pay. She is working. But she's not in the ring because if, if you follow her on Instagram, she is all of the places doing it, all the promotions. She is, you know, commercials and events and blah, 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 blah. So she is working on that side of it. And. So and she's in this huge match, which I'm also excited about, even though Alexa Bliss is in it. Okay. So she she's not really resting that much, um, but. Either in or out of the ring, really.
2: You yeah, it's Alexa kind of like Blisette? how sorry. It's like how me and Mike were talking about how she kind of is the John Cena. Like she should be the female yeah. John Cena. So she's out there doing all that that's stuff. That's what she's doing, yeah. It's awesome. You get Alexa Bliss heat, Jenny?
3: Yeah, I just I don't I don't get it with her. Uh, I mean, it, it, that's that's all I have. <laughs> I don't get it. Have you ever gotten it? Not really. I mean, it's funny because. One of my very first wrestling t-shirts that I bought when I became a fan was a Alexa Bliss shirt. Uh, it still hangs in my closet, and I look at it and go, what was I thinking? But
2: <laughs> hey. she's, one of the, she's one of the reasons why Smack, SmackDown 2016 was one of the best uh, eras of this company in the recent history. So. Sure.
1: Gotcha. All right, the third match they got announced here is Gunther versus Sheamus for the Intercontinental Championship. Nakamura and Gunther lived up to the hype, in my opinion, two SmackDowns ago. I love that it was positioned in the main event, and I really thought they delivered a pretty good three and three-quarter star match. I thought it was awesome. Um, And then the following SmackDown, you had that awesome, fantastic, number one contender five-way match with Sammy, Sheamus, Madcap, Corbin, and Ricochet. Rossi was Sheamus the right pick, and I don't even have to... It's perfect. Gunther versus Sheamus in the castle. It's going to be presented as a big match. I don't even have to ask. I know it is. How excited for it are you?
0: Man, I'm pumped. When they first showed the graphic for this five-way, Sheamus jumped off the page to me because I feel like this is the time to do it with the European flavor that they both have. Um, I, I think that it was the perfect time to pull the trigger here. I was uh, petrified as the match was going on that they were going to go right back to Ricochet. And it's not that I don't want to see Ricochet in the spot. I just don't want to see Ricochet in the spot in an 80,000 seat European arena uh, stadium. Um, Sheamus has earned this match. In my opinion, and he's kind of been somebody that has been kind of held back. I mean, even his mania match was a, which was a wonky six man got held short or whatever. It ended up being tag match. Um, so I, I'm pumped that this match happened. That The five-way was awesome. Uh, the, there was one of those matches that when Sami Zayn got that pop, I was like, shit, Sami's going to win this thing. Uh, but he didn't have to um, for him to have a great night. And all five guys looked awesome in this match. Uh, Madcap did. Corbin did. Ricochet looked as good as he has looked in a long time in this match. Um, and Sheamus is just who he is, you know. And Guther's on another level. I mean, similar to what raw's doing with lashy making that title feel more important than it has in years they have so quickly done that with the ic title on smackdown as well the nakamura match it's as good of a as um, this sounds like i'm going to be hating on nakamura but it's as good of a nakamura match as you're going to have in 2022 the guy isn't here to have five-star matches anymore he's here to make money look good and go surfing um and he showed up and he did his thing with Gunther um yep. would I rather have seen that match maybe five years ago sure but ultimately for a Smackdown main event it, it brought what I was hoping out of it and what about what I expected uh Nakamura you know is gonna definitely need need a little bit of a facelift here down the road but should be easy to happen with Triple H uh but overall Sheamus and Gunther was the match I was most excited to to see come together and I'm happy they got there
1: now, real quick on that, I loved how Seamus mid-match did that Gunther pose right before the commercial. Was it a red herring? I don't give a fuck, but it was awesome. All right, the fourth match we got here is Riddle versus Seth Rollins, or Seth freaking Rollins, excuse me. This match was delayed from SummerSlam to be showcased at the castle. Less has been more here. It's been a great mix of intensity for both guys. Both guys have been kind of zany the last year, really, with the RK bro and the <laughs> cackling Seth Rawlings. So it's really cool them to focus that intensity energy at each other. So that's um, kind of a Triple H thing, but I think it works for both characters, Rollins and Riddle, that is. Uh, are we done here? Both guys really seem like they could use a win. Really? I think I don't think I don't want to say either are vulnerable for a loss, but I'm not sure if we're this is the first match of a series of three. I think they they of course they can get legs to stretch this to the um the draft, whenever that would be. But overall I think it's good. Jenny, real quick, we had a question last week about a a weed strain. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Ross, I'm not a weed guy. Marcus wasn't a weed guy. Rossi did a good job explaining it. Now in mm-hmm. Florida, with medical marijuana cards, can you get a mean weed strain, or am I delusional? Uh,
3: yeah, you can get a bunch. Or oh. I have like seven right now, so yeah. Specific- a- anything that you need, you can get.
1: You specifically to make you mean and like. I don't think I need that. I I think I'm naturally a mean person in a in That a is life. very
3: true, but
1: well, the like fuck, the fuck? that kind of has heat with me. Like
3: a sativa, I think you would like probably explode.
1: No, real quick, <laughs> what's a sativa? Not a drug guy again. I'm, I'm I feel outnumbered here. I feel judged. Rocco with his ecstasy laugh over there. No, <laughs> real quick, give me uh, 2 seconds on what uh the st- say it again. <laughs> Because I can't say what my Massachusetts accent.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sativa. Uh, so there's Sativa. like three like kind of sort of basic uh, levels of weed, I guess you can call it. So this, st- the strains in this sort of category um, give you energy and... Don't need that. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, more of a go out, do activities strain, right? Instead of a, I'm going to sit on my couch and watch wrestling strain. Um, therefore, I cannot take that stream because it makes me anxious and insane
1: i don't i'm not sure what it would do for me but anyways yeah. exp- since we're this is the second week in a row where we've talked about weed with matt riddle in versus seth rollins it kind of doesn't really explain it kind of explains what's going on with this feud like i want to see the match they've gotten me ready to see the match but they don't need to do any more, so they're kind of just upping the intensity and upping the passion to get at each other and that's fine with me. I don't think it's bad. I think it's been actually really good. Less is more. All right. So, speaking of not very good, the fifth match here is Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler for the Smackdown Women's Title. Liv is blah, I guess, still, but I'm more interested with Shayna in the mix in involved with Liv. Um Liv sur- will Liv survive? And challenge for another day or will Shayna kind of steal this belt in what's up with Ronda will she do a run in here Rocco this is a mess but this is your lane where are you at with your girls
2: well real quick I, I just wanted to say something about uh, the riddle uh, Rollins is that I love the outside the box build of that where not every feud needs a promo battle so like you're saying the less is more and just those fighting so it's so cool to see a, a feud being progressed without I'm going to call you out and talking bullshit. Maybe yes. this, maybe, maybe this, this live, uh, dude could use a little less talking cause it's just not really working, uh, with these two. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, like I said, I, I, I like live, but there's a, I, I just, I like that person and I want it to go well. And there becomes a point where that, it's not really sustaining. <laughs> I don't think they're giving her great things to do, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm in a weird spot with that whole feud. I've never been a Shayna guy just in terms of like, I get she is good, but I don't really connect with her very much, but I like what's happening here. So a Shana taking the belt and somehow leading to a Rhonda is kind of very interesting how they would do that. So just in terms of, I want to see how they would do that makes me want her to take the belt from Liv and, I just want to see how that would work out. Which is kind of strange though, because they've kind of they kind of baby faced um, uh, Shana with the telling Rhonda that's not how things work here thing, and not baby faced her, but made her baby faced her just with her relationship with Rhonda, where she's trying to control the crazy heel, but she's also a heel against Liv. So it's 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 interesting dynamics, and I like that. I like to see how it's it could get fucked up like that. So you know, you want to establish uh, uh, Basil after being fucking you know just. would she she seemed like she was on the precipice of being incredible right and then she bit becky in the neck and next thing you know she's nothing for fucking two years or whatever the fuck it was so uh but she's so good that she doesn't need a lot to rehab her right so i think it's cool that she's here and uh yeah i kind of kind of want her to take the belt and uh live something else to do for a little while and uh see what happens and give me a Rhonda chain match now jenny if if Bianca Belair is a 10, and
1: Alexa Bliss is, like, a 3. And Charlotte <laughs> Flair is an 11. Where would you put Liv on that scale, and where would you put Shayna on that scale? And I know Ronda's, like, a 1. So where, where are the other two?
3: Um, is fucking badass. Um, Just legit badass. And I'm a little bit scared for Liv. <laughs>
1: are you bit... into her? Like...
3: Liv? Um... I, I, it, mm, I, I, I kind of wish she would act like a grown lady. Um, but I get like the whole emotional part of her. Like I have empathy for, for her, but she doesn't feel super champ to me you know she doesn't really scream champ it's like accidental champ
1: <laughs> it was way it's just way too early on her yeah that's her 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 rise i guess she just wasn't mature enough as a character to live up to the the billing as which, champion
3: which is interesting in a story for live anyway like i i got this and then i sort of crumbled under this and it could give her a way to build something post her a little edge yeah give yeah. her a little edge but by scale Shayna is probably seven, and Liv, I would
1: probably do five. Awesome. Okay, I got you. Better than I thought, Jenny. Better than I thought. Rossi, what do you think?
0: So, I, I've, I've been very impressed with how they've kind of reintroduced Ronda the last couple of weeks, Like coming out of the crowd looking like a lunatic. She's had the best crowd reactions by doing that the last couple of weeks that she has at any point since the Rumble return um and, and it shows how simple pushing her should be um that it was never really done she's always been miscast as a baby face she just doesn't come off as a likable person um because they don't let her tell like the story that would make her likable um they always just kind of assumed she'd show up and be over and she wasn't but they never pivoted off of it and it was just kind of dull tv for as long as it was now she kind of has that like I'm going to kick your ass type vibe. I don't want to talk. I don't want to do anything. I just want to fight. I want to get my job back. I want to be unsuspended. And she's come off like a legitimate badass over the last two weeks. And that's where Triple H, again, kind of shows how simple it can be to get somebody to look better in the position that they should be in, as opposed to being mistyped, miscast before. Now, I think this match has a very crystal clear ending with, Rhonda getting involved, somehow making a mistake that's that, you know, she gets too emotional. She costs Shayna, and then Liv gets another fluke win over Shayna. And at that point, you can get to, you know, Shayna maybe snapping and beating the shit out of Liv or, you know, her going after Rhonda from there. The the Rhonda, they, they've done a good job with Shayna and Rhonda by having them seem like they're on the same page but not be. Uh, Shayna when she came out and she said you know you have to do things the right way here and Ronda looked like laughed at her like who are you for saying something like that and then since then Shayna's kind of you know up the ante a little bit with how she's been with Liv so I feel like they they have a couple different ways that they can go with that but I really think that Ronda doing a run in here and screwing up with Liv I mean with Shayna to get Liv another fluke wins the way to go here and you know it's the first match of a few with Shayna I'm not saying that Shayna doesn't eventually take the title off Liv But the Ronda lurking part here is a much more interesting version of Ronda lurking than we would have ever probably had under Vince because he just never really knew how to push this woman.
1: Yeah, it's it is better, but it's still it's it's less forced. I don't want to say it was forced. It, it, It was forced from the Rumble to really SummerSlam. So that refocused, maybe that Triple H dust is could always help regardless especially with a ronda Rousey type too all right so obviously vince she kept saying vince kept telling her keep smiling so now she's not smiling and she's able to focus that energy as it really fits her persona and her real life personality more that makes it feel more organic on screen so yeah good good synopsis there all right so here are other potential matches that you kind of can forecast Maybe a little Johnny Theory action. I doubt that they make it for the money in the bank. But you never know. If they want to add juice to it, they could. But I don't think that they should take the belt off of Johnny. I, mean, I don't think they should take the briefcase off of Theory. Uh, the Judgment Day, the Mysterios, Edge, Rhea, Dominic, Strangling, Dominatrix. Is it just simply Edge versus Finn and it's just all noise to get us there, Rossi? Is
0: that what it's going to be? Uh, I mean, you have Beth back. Are you going to and, yeah. are you gonna do Beth Beth and Rhea, or are you going to do a six, six person? Um, it feels like it's a time to do the six person with Beth, you know, Beth, Ray, and um, Edge against Judgment Day. And then we can still get the Dominic heel turn that everybody keeps thinking is going to happen. And I don't even want to see, because I just don't want to see Dominic. Um, but, The match is kind of cool on paper. I mean, maybe you hold off and you do Edge and Finn as kind of like one of the main matches on um, Extreme Rules because you don't have um, Reigns around. Uh, I don't think that this match is going to be the end-all, be-all of this feud. Um, Edge maybe will disappear for a couple weeks after this regardless. Um, But I don't know. I I hope it's Finn and Edge because I just feel like Mysterio has been – involve a judgment day for what feels like 100 years but unfortunately i think with the introduction of beth um we're not going to get a beth rea singles match so i think it will be a six-person mixed tag of some scenario all
1: right I, I i and i'm on the other side of the fence i think it's finn in europe or wherever the hell they are wales that's close to ireland right pull up the globe rocco that that works right Vers- geography is hard <laughs> good call um but I think it's just going to be Edge versus Finn, and then maybe Finn wins and it prolongs the Judgment Day slash Edge, them trying to kill each other, Who whoever's going to behead the other one first wins, feud that they got going on. And I think that maybe Dominic kind of turns at the castle, regardless if it's that six person tag that you mentioned, or if it's the one-on-one and Edge losing would give fin the edge by Dominic turning because Edge did spear Dominic so that could be payback. And maybe he just wants to be closer to Rhea so that bitch can get choked out more often. You know, you know you never know what you're into, Rocco, right? Alright, anyways, um <laughs> the Miz, Styles, Lashley, chiampa now Dexter. Dexter stalking AJ, but is he choking out and stealing the Miz? Is Maurice single now? Is there going to be a match here at the castle with any of these people? Is Legato Del Fantasma on their way to Raw to feud with AJ? Just the upper mid-card U.S. title. Rocco, is anything going to shake out for this at the castle? Because I think this, this has been a highlight of Raw with all that word salad I just said. It's been very good TV.
2: Yeah, I mean, you named a lot of people who could have a lot of good matches with each other, so... Um, I don't know how much they would do for the castle in terms of those dudes because some of those are feuds that I guess you could start them at a place like that. Uh, thinking of Judgment Day, I, I'm sorry to go backwards, but it, it seems, isn't it? It's funny how that gimmick just seems like such a relic already and it hasn't been that long. Like it just seems like it's been around for so long that, you know, it kind of needs to be done. Um, but sorry, I, I, I was just thinking about that. Um, yeah, I mean,. You gotta like uh you throw a Ciampa fucking some like styles match on a on the castle. Like you could have some really cool work rates. I don't know if I want Dexter to have a match for a while. I like to see him be built up as this like ominous thing too, right? So uh yeah. I I mean you named a lot of people that would be kind of uh rematches because they kind of been throwing a lot of those cool matches on with those guys that you're mentioning. But it is cool to have a lot of cool guys who could have these really fun matches to really pat to to add to the card when they get to the castle, right?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know, but
2: a little scramble style, a four way or something. It's just like a total.
1: I think how it sh- I think how it shakes out. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested, but I I I really don't know. This is the one that I. That's why I threw all these names in the hat and put it into a big bowl of salad, because I really don't know how it's going to shake out. It's, I guess it's kind of what they need. I th- think they're probably going to structure the pay-per-view, and then they'll see what they need for filler. I don't think they want to go super long, but I think they want to give the big matches plenty of time.
2: I, I think Lashley gonna... still needs a little more run with the belt, too. I think because they've really yeah. been... Unless he... they're doing
1: the draft soon, and they want to get it off. them in a scramble type of scenario.
2: But if they, yeah, but if they really kind of want to keep that U.S. title seeming important like they seem to want to be doing, like having him keep it for a little longer just because it seemed like very unimportant for a while until very recently. So I like the idea of him keeping it for a little while and just having some banger matches.
1: All right. So the last match I forecast here is the Usos. I assume that it's a Canada thing, not a overseas thing, because, you know, they the Usos did go to Saudi. So I assume that they can go to Europe. I'm just... Make an assumption soon here. I, I, I think Aaron George has a lock and key on those bo- on the border, and if you have a DUI, you can't go. <laughs> you know, sorry for future Rocco. There, <laughs> I'm just. <kidding. laughs>
2: I was once the, I was once denied entrance to Canada. By the
1: way, surprised, not surprised <laughs> moment of the podcast there, <laughs> but, but um, I don't know. I assuming that the Usos can go overseas, and assuming that they're going to have a, t- a tag title match. I think KO and Sammy are the perfect people to throw in there. It's their time is is now. I think I think they've been building K up, KO up for this moment, um, and I think they're they could easily win the tag titles. And I think it's the perfect team to get it off the Usos. I don't know if it's time. Do you think it's Do you think it's time? And do you think Sammy and KO are the right team to do it, Rossi?
0: Um, well, first off, they should definitely be able to get into the UK because they did in April and did the house show loop because I remember they were having matches with Orton and Riddle the entire time. So they should be able to get over there. Not a problem. I bet it was a Canada thing. But yeah, I mean, Sammy, it's weird because Sammy's been taking bullets for them every week. So I'd assume for them to get to a match against Sammy with maybe KO involved they would need to have Sammy, like, make a mistake in a match first because ultimately the Usos called him and he answered, but he then took a bullet for Reigns. So it's going to be tough for them to get rid of him because he keeps taking bullets for him, right? (laughs) Uh, So I don't know how they're going to get that rolling, um, but without that, without a Sammy match, I mean, what the hell would the match be for the Usos? Um, there's really no tag teams that are getting heated up on Raw. Um, SmackDown, they've run through everybody already. So, I and I mean, they're not going to do the Viking Raiders yet, and that would be a weird heel-heel dynamic anyways. Um, it looks like you're more so getting a Viking Raiders New Day set up. So, I, I don't know. I, it's tough because I, it almost feels like, you know, with Reigns on this show, maybe you don't put the Usos on it because you feel like you don't need to, and then you set them up for something on the Extreme Rules show um i don't know it just it doesn't seem like there's any other option there and it's just we're running out of time i mean you've got um really you know when this airs we'll have one smackdown that's live one raw that's live and then a smackdown that's taped the night before the show so i i just don't know if they're going to be able to put a, a ko and sammy team together um because even when they did ko and sammy Last week, it was post-show dark. I feel like they maybe would have started to tease it on the live show, but you know, who knows? That's ultimately the dream. I just can't really see them getting from point A to point B now with us being a week out.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they throw Hit Row in that spot, and they just kind of say, here's a babyface tag team that can lose. They're kind of hot after returning. Just don't rap. You know, kind of one of those things. All right, so that's the proceed... Clash of the Castle. I think that's a pretty good card on paper, guys. Um I think that they put the focus on this card over SummerSlam in some a success. So I assume that they're gonna put a lot of energy into this, and I think it's probably gonna be a home run, especially being on all out weekend. I think they want to steal the headlines and Triple H is motivated to do so. All right, NXT real quick guys. Speaking of this weekend, NXT World Collides 2022 is gonna be see a lot of merging of titles. Ron Breaker UK versus the UK champion, Tyler Bate. Mandy Rose versus the UK champion, Mako Satamora versus Blair Davenport. That's all quote unquote announced. I can see a four-way ladder match with Gallus. Pretty deadly. Uh, the Creeds and Briggs and Jensen in a tag team unification match. Carmella Hayes having a match. Um, I'm, I'm not sure against two either. Do you guys proceed anyone there?
0: Yeah, so doesn't doesn't the UK have like a, like a cup that they use, the Heritage Cup? So maybe that's Noam Dar, I think.
1: No, uh, he, lo- he lost it, and he lost it, to, I want to say Tyler Bate, but I, he beat Tyler Bate for it. I think that Noam Dar lost, I don't think it's Regal's kid, but he lost it to someone.
0: Well, whoever that is, um, that would probably be a good fit for, I think
1: they were just going to scrap it, but
0: I'm not sure, but it's just a way to get Carmelo a match, right? I mean, Carmelo should have a match. Um, unless, unless you bring over that other kid that I had mentioned earlier, the Nathan Frazier kid, who's been kind of over, but you can still claim that he's UK. Uh, there's gotta be somebody, I mean, it doesn't take much. I mean, I don't know who, who they have left under that NXT UK roster. Um, but I mean, give Carmelo a match for the North American title. I don't think that that should be a hard move.
1: But the two big titles, Rocco, real quick, T, uh, Tyler Bate or Braun Breaker?
0: It's interesting because
2: it's like, if Breaker's going up, obviously Tyler Bate. Uh, what's more interesting to me would be a, well, oh, it's a babyface, babyface too. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, thing. It's a great match for Breaker since uh, Bate's so good and he'll probably he it's gonna be in the normal spot right in Florida yeah, yeah so I mean shit um I, I think bait, I kind of want to see Bait do it I want to see him take it because I uh I think it's time like he's been hidden away in the UK for so long and he's he's he was so exciting when they they were doing those NXT matches the uh, Mustache Mountain guys. so I kind of like to see Bait do it
1: yeah now Rossi. Mako, Blair, or Mandy, and which way? Who's is the cheap? Why is Blair in there? And who 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 are they protecting here?
0: Um, I think that they're protecting Miko from taking a pin, um, but losing the title. I, I can't see Miko living here full time. Uh, so I feel like she will definitely be a big part of that Europe um, you know, build as a coach or something there. Yeah, uh, but what's Hector then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing is I I just don't feel like they want to beat her. And, like, you can always bring her back for, like, a crazy match when you get somebody hot, like you get Alba hot with a title or something like that, but Blair's in this match to so either eat the pin or win the title. That's the way that I see it. Um, I just – For all the talk with Toxic Attraction coming up, Mandy beating, um, pinning Blair here wouldn't really shock me either. Um, but I do ultimately feel like, you know, Blair ends up leaving with the title and then Miko comes back, works Europe, and Mandy shows up on the main roster soon.
2: Is it, is it Blair gets the title and that's a way to try to get Osprey to come to, uh, WWE? They broke
0: up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Good thought, though, because I originally thought that a couple weeks ago. But uh, yeah, no. Because um, when you think of it, she wins the title, then you got Fire, who's a baby. You got Zoe, who's a baby. You've got um, Nikita, who's a baby. So you've got babies geared up for them, and it's just a fresh coat of pain with new champion as opposed to Mandy, you know?
1: How about Carmelo versus JD McDonough? That works. He's UK ish.
0: It fits. It definitely fits. The, yeah, because if you look at the roster, the only other name that would work is uh, Dragon. Yeah. He's hurt, uh, so and then, you know they keep Axiom. They probably don't want to let you remember that it's a kid. But yeah, it's it's got to be either Dar or um, J D McDonough. That's the only two that they really have left, right?
1: Overall, I think it should be a really good show. It's a little under the radar. It's it it's super close to Heat Wave, but obviously it makes sense with everything going on with NXT UK, NXT Europe, and all that stuff. ending. so it it it's we're in a good spot to do it. And I think that doing the two pay per views that weekend, not against a All Out, but before All Out, I think that Triple H is confident that they're gonna blow the wall. You know, blow the bar high and let's see if you know aew in kind of flux and kind of like a a weird transition period right now if they can kind of live up to that bar and really steal the momentum and headlines that they've been doing the last month i'm sure that's triple h's goal with this week with this upcoming weekend or next weekend as you listen hello All right, so Rocco, what's first of all, Rocco, what did you think of my rambling last
2: week? Did I live up to the hype? Uh, yeah, man, you were great. Thank you uh, did it in uh, your own style, which is uh, something I always like to hear. What, aggression? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. All right, so what do you got for us this week on the Rocco's rambling thoughts?
2: It's just kind of what we've been talking about a lot, where it's just this new version that we're getting of the of wwe and it's funny that when we started this podcast i was definitely at a low point in my actual caring about the product but me being friends with you ryan you're was always so positive and i think i've talked to you about how it made me more interested to watch and a lot of times when people uh, we all know a lot of people who shit on stuff and are total hater fucking losers but I always, I don't like to just say I hate something or it's it's stupid or something. I like to just say like I don't know how to like that yet or I haven't learned how to like that yet or one day I'll know my my I. Am I, I, is that, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, just I don't know how to like this yet. And talking to you made me a little more excited for WWE stuff. And now it's funny that it's so much more. And I'm looking forward to watching wrestling. And it, it's not an overnight like it's the best show in the world. No, it's not fucking SmackDown Six. It's not fucking '97 Raw. But it's just been a really enjoyable program, you know, and it you know, these things take time and it just seems like they're on the right path. And it's crazy that Vince was in charge for so long making the show shit and we just took it. And they like people when we talked about Triple H before, like this guy just had to watch (laughs) while this guy was just doing things like just sucking the life out of the product that we love. And while he was doing fucking NXT and packing a bunch of indie dudes into fucking 20,000-seat arenas in Brooklyn. Like, it was insane. But when most shows lose, like, their main creative guy, like Vince leaving, it's usually like, oh, uh, Larry David left Seinfeld. That's not a good thing. Or when the guy, uh, Dan Harmon, left Community. Or those shows would suffer. But this is more, like, uh, to be uh, appealed to the nerds. Like, when George Lucas stopped doing, like, the Star Wars films, I haven't really seen them. I don't really give a shit about them. But apparently they're a lot better. So, like, letting... What the what the move the fuck out of this side, old man, and let young creative people with different life experiences have a shot. And it just seems like such a, a breath of fresh air. And the show Vince was making the show regressive. Like it had no inertia. It was flat. Like he brings back Laurenitis and pressure these fucking idiots. And now there's things like, oh, we could have a real tag division hopefully coming. And women wrestlers having something to do when they're not in the title. And even just like a faction, a woman's faction, you know, like on the main roster, which is something that like you know, I don't think that's the thing. Vince would go, well, women don't do that. Like, whatever. But I just I like that we're like happy. I watched the Charlotte interview and she talks about how when she dropped the belt and that famous Becky thing, she picked up the belt and she should never have done that. And I feel like that's a that's an example of these people being overproduced for so long that they didn't do something that Vince McMahon would want. So she did something out of character. She didn't say this, but this is how I'm interpreting it. And I think that's the kind of thing. That is going to come back like the uh, the promo that we all liked with uh, Drew and Owens. And, you know, WWE always dangled those carrots of cool shit, you know, like, oh, Sin Cara and and uh, Awesome Kong. It's like, oh, this is like going to be good. And then you get like the Cruiserweight classic and the May Young stuff. And it's like, yeah, Triple H isn't going to be perfect. He's not going to save the fucking world. But like that's what those were things he did. And that's when we had that like era of loving it. And I kind of feel that that's coming back. You know, we were in a, like an abusive relationship for years, <laughs> you know, like we were in a cult. And this man wanted to control your language and isolate you, make you think you didn't have any other options. And then, I guess in some way, even AEW helped break that too. But now it's like, boom! Like we're back. We're back in reality. We're we don't have to die with mediocre, mediocre shit. So it just seems like I'm not saying everything's perfect now, but I love seeing myself and people I know excited to see it. So, um, it, it, there's a chance that we're gonna get back to the glorious. Era of what we love. So one of the things I think too is, uh, can WWE be cool again? Like NXT was cool and old school ECW was cool, you know. Like, and uh, yeah. So that's it. Like, do you guys like? What do you? Th- what are you most excited for seeing? What do you think is gonna happen? And what do you want to see happen? You know, like I don't know. I know we've been discussing this for weeks, but are there are you feeling the same buzz about your fandom as I am?
1: Well, I'm all like you said earlier. I, I I usually take the positive approach. I don't dwell on the negatives. I it's a three-hour RAW. It's a two-hour SmackDown. It's a two-hour NXT. That's seven hours of program, on top of all the other you know side pocket stuff that they do with the internet and in 205 Live or main event or whatever. So there was plenty of positive to find within the Vince McMahon let's say shit booking but so they really caught their groove around 2016 and settled into a decent product with the brand split after having murky waters with roman and trying to find his lane or whatever but they they had the depth and they went with the brand split 17 was pretty good 18 was probably a home run but those three years were just force-feeding Roman and really smashing your head against the wall after not going with him at WrestleMania 31, and that was the negative. But the stuff around the roman was a hit the women rise was great you had styles on the ascent you had a decent pocket of rollins just for example and then you had a lot of awesome nxt stuff there which was under triple h's thumb 2019 comes and vince is getting tired he's getting bored the nxt guys aren't working out and he's just constantly looking for dudes to kind of get ready so he can just play with his top stars and, the, and it, the water gets murky in 17, you know, and then the pandemic hits and the pandemic is perfect. They declutter, unfortunately, which means they guys lose jobs, but it's a necessity. Whatever. It's a business. I get it. Yada, yada, yada. So they are able to declutter and then he, they're really to find their lane. They do some wonky stuff in the pandemic. Guys like Roman find their lane. Guys like. Wyatt, they take chances with and totally fall off a cliff. Andrade falls off a cliff. Uh, Black falls off a cliff. Keith Lee falls off a cliff. So they, a lot of guys that need attention, they don't give the attention to and they get bored with and they really just go away. But now they, since coming back in 2021, I feel even under the Vince umbrella that they were focused and they really have been doing a good job since post thunderdome and pandemic of having more engaging television so it's like they had a rebuild in the like for sports analogy they had a gm that had a rebuild and he got fired but he did some decent things he made some decent moves and some puzzle pieces were there and then they hire an analytics guy or whatever in triple h who has his thumb on the pulse of a lot of things not just his lane and he's able to come and sprinkle his analytics and his triple h dust and he's been a student of the game he you can tell he loves this and that's what i love about triple h is he loves wrestling and you might not agree with everything and he's not going to bat 1000 at all he's you know 300 gets you in the hall of fame or whatever but he's gonna i i Feel like he's going to take a lot more swings where Vince didn't take swings and constantly struck out in a way, but still, Vince still hit a lot of home runs in a way, too. I feel like Triple H is going to hit more home runs than Vince, but he's going to take a few more swings, but he's going to strike out less. He's going to have a lot of contact, and he's just a, po- a positive. You know, the Vince, it happened because of the scandal or whatever and we've talked about that the last six or seven episodes or whatever so we're not going to get into that how it happened we got here but i think that the groundwork was laid since the post thunderdome and post pandemic where they got focused on a few guys they slowed down on a lot of things and the groundwork is is kind of there to go out and really Hit home runs and the numbers are ticking up and the show quality is getting better in a three-hour raw era. That's probably not gonna change. We'll see with the contracts, but it's not gonna change if it stays on the USA network. But they're gonna throw a shitload of money at it and 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 whatever. So overall, this is a contract year, quote unquote, for the WWE. And I wonder if that has to do with Vince McMahon's stuff, you know, getting outed too. You know, Nick Khan is a slick physics man. He is a Triple H guy to the core from the start. So I don't know if this is kind of like a... Uh, holding of the hands process to get the old man out that's you know for another day but this is a contract year like 2018 was a contract year where they threw a lot of resources at ronda they threw a lot of resources at the women's division they threw a lot of resources at roman they just threw a lot of and that's the first year in saudi so they had a lot of big matches and they just 2018 was a good year for them money-wise and they were able to go out there and secure a big contract. And that's where they are right now, but with like real positive buzz around Triple H. He's not going to hit a thousand. I don't expect him to. Gargano, Loomis, Cross. Um, the girls, one of those are going to be a miss. Wyatt's coming back, that's very risky for WWE TV. But he's like that quarterback with a rocket arm, and Triple H could be that OC's that grounds him in the in a lot in and in a, in shows him ways to dink and dunk and move the ball downfield because Wyatt has upside. I think going away for a year helps really rehabilitate his upside, and I think there's something there. So I'm really interested in, to see what Triple H can get out of that because Triple H is taking a lot of risks, but within his own like vision, he he I'm sure he feels confident within himself that all these are going to be home runs, but some aren't. I just hope that he doesn't get in a slog and start force feeding his projects down our throat if they're not working, but his track record would show that he veers away and kind of goes with the buzz of the pulse because I think he has his finger on it. Rossi, you got anything to add to this? Where do you feel with
0: that? Yeah. I mean, kind of to Rocco's point with the, is it like is wrestling cool again <laughs> situation? Like, I was watching the Rumble with not the Rumble, I'm sorry, SummerSlam with my dad because we were on, we went up to the beach and and stayed at my parents' um, beach house. So, I, the, my dad would like fall asleep like like a match or two in. But um, as as I was watching it, like Logan Paul and like stuff like that, like it wasn't what I noticed is it really wasn't anything on that show that I saw with him that like came off as like embarrassing, <laughs> which a lot of like the Vince era did, you know? And, and I think of when we build up towards like a rumble or a SummerSlam or WrestleMania, I watched SummerSlam with my, with my brother and my brother-in-law and sister, because my, my daughter's uh, christening was that day. Um, and, um, it was like, holy shit, like there's a lot of shit on this show that I was like, it looks weird. Like the Johnny Knoxville stuff was like entertaining, but it was like, how do we explain this? <laughs> you know, it's if you don't watch wrestling, you know? Um, but stuff like that fits into a show. I think of like the casual viewer, like watching or maybe a Royal Rumble under the Triple H era. Like that's what I'm really excited about because that was always like Vince's baby, and that was where you know, he always had voices coming. And, like, you look to last year with how much of a mess it became because there were too many cooks in the pot with Shane involved and stuff like that. You're not going to have that this year. It seems like you're going to really have a much more focused area. And if you're watching, like, I always say Rumble season, Rumble Mania season is the time that you really can kick off fandom. And you can kind of, if you have somebody watch the Rumble with you, they might watch all the way through to Mania because – Something might grip them. Something might make them interested in watching it for the next couple of weeks. And here's the deal. Football is over at that point. So people are looking for ways to kind of use their time. Um, and Monday nights are a, a week or a, a night that they're used to sitting down in front of a TV, which right now they might not be. So this year with football, it might actually be a benefit to the WWE because there might be more people talking about it. There might be more positive conversation around it going on on Twitter. And then you're at halftime click over and you see what's going on, you know? So I think that with the more that we build up towards the, this triple H error and how things just to the casual viewer might make more sense to check in on. Um, it might just be like good wrestling. They might not know the wrestlers, but if you turn it on and you see um, a tag match with Bobby Lashley and AJ against the Miz and Ciampa, you're much more likely to keep it on than when you were watching Reggie get married to <laughs> um whoever he got married to Tamina so stuff like that is where I think I mean obviously wacky shit still will exist under Triple H but it'll be wacky shit that you know leads to something and it's sensible it's not stuff that's just thrown out like every week um and that's where I really think WWE is going to pick up from this kind of boom we'll say um, is they might be able to pull some of those casual viewers in because those casual viewers might have left because they were just so sick of watching it. Three-hour shows, to me, became impossible to watch, but the last month, I've watched every single Raw pretty much start to finish. Like If I miss something live, I go back and watch it when the show ends, when before I didn't care. Um, if I missed it, I would just you know watch watch the YouTube clip later and be done with it. So as the hardcores come back, the casuals will also start to come back, and I don't see why their ratings won't continue to improve. And and like you said, Ryan, that's only going to help them when it comes to renegotiate that contract. And not only are they doing well with getting fans back in general, they're doing great with getting the proper demographics back as well. So um, let's see where they go with that. NXT has even been kind of upticking a little bit, although they still struggle, and it's mostly old men that watch it. But let's see where they go. And I really think that you know people look at football as a detriment, if, if the product's cool, it might help because now on a Monday night in August, you're not parked in front of a TV. You might be out by the pool at night. You might be out by the fire. Um, November, October, you're not going to be doing that as much. So you might see something cool on Raw and Twitter switch over and it might help. So let's see where it goes. And But I really think it's going to be a slow ramp up and that mania season might really be where they kind of hit their stride and really kind of take it from there.
1: Well, yeah, real quick with that, with Monday Night Football being back, you're going to have more people watching TV. Are those casuals going to flip over during a commercial or during a blowout or a halftime or whatever?
2: Rocco. I was just going to say, like, I think, like, when you were talking, like, I think a lot of the things that I don't like, you don't mind in what has been the, when you were talking about the Vince era being ticked up. And I think a lot of the stuff, like Mike's talking about, the three-hour Raws are more watchable because the three voices in your ear are watching and reacting like normal human beings too. Like those little things, I don't think that really bothers you that much, Ryan. But like to me, the announcers actually like joking. Uh, one of the announcers made a guar reference on it, Jimmy Smith did, and like <laughs> they were they're 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 interacting and they're telling jokes with each other, and they're not just being these weird automaton robots. And that shit drives me nuts. And that's a major thing about the last few years is the artifice and the artificiality of how everything is on that show and like the big trons and the lights and the, all that stuff and the the holograms and all that shit that's never going away like even sports has like a million things happening on the screen now so that's and that's good because that's gonna make people go oh it's like regular sports there's all this crazy shit i don't really need that stuff and that's why i like the aw presentation a little more just because it's a little more basic but all that shit that could stay because that's gonna make people think this is a big thing that i should be watching but having announcers just talking and and actually, guiding you through a three-hour show has made it way more enjoyable and way more just tolerable in some ways. And it was uh, painful to listen to those guys in in some ways. And there's actual personalities being displayed by them now. And I think that's a major part that is going to become even better. And uh, just not having someone screaming here all the time. So uh, I don't know. I just was thinking about that. So it's all those little things. And like you're saying about Triple H, like it just this guy knows better than a 77 year old man what younger people are going to want not necessarily he's not the right answer but he is at least does not have the ego to not say hey let me hire ryan katz back let me ask young people what they think let me ask the wrestlers what they want to do and how they could do stuff and let let them fail on their own accord instead of just giving them some shitty gimmick or telling them to read a script all the time so and you know bet on bet on people let the people fail on their own and not make them fail with their own shitty ideas so but yeah i i I lost my uh, train of thought there, but yeah. Um, all right, cool. Cool. R- rambling over. <laughs> all right, Rossi, what do we got on the end of the corner this week? We got a special
1: guest
4: coming hey, up. So what do we got? Present, present beyond,
0: Yeah, so basically, let's run through, uh, American Rana. You know, We had the cool interview with Drew last week that I really think, uh, if you still haven't checked out, I mean, it's it's not evergreen like a lot of stuff that's on this, this podcast, but if you don't watch, if you haven't watched American Rana yet, then go listen to the interview and then go watch Rana, and I think it'll all flow, and we talked about a lot of cool stuff, and I thought the show kind of lived up to the hype and even over-delivered in time, so... Um, run through the results really quickly. So they opened up with Trisha Dora defeating Lefisto. Uh The fancy nerds of Ryan Clancy and Thomas Santel defeated the, the debuting flirtation of the romantic touch and the tender weapon. Um, it was Rhett Titus and Tracy Williams, but regardless, it was cool. It was kind of a, a cool touch on that match and definitely made it probably more entertaining than it would have been. Otherwise, singles match uh, that really, in my opinion, stole the show. Uh, Rex Lawless defeated Ra- Ryan gallion this was, a hospital to the utmost degree. Um at one point Lawless hit this like perfectly timed code red and and it just blew the roof off the place. Um that match was awesome. If you watch one match in the show even though there's some big name power on that, that's the one I recommend because then you will want to watch these guys a little bit more. Uh singles and another singles match, becca defeated Masha Slamovich with a loaded fanny pack with a brick in it. Um Sydney Bacabella Defeated Swoggle, um, and then uh, was so because he hit him with brass knucks. They made it a WLC match, and that was really fun for the live audience because they did a lot of run-ins with like the typical wrestling open fan uh, crowd and you know type of wrestlers there. So like Channing Thomas, um, the Shook Crew, things of that nature, the Graysons, um, really entertaining. It was like 16 minutes in that WLC with not a lot of Bacabella Swoggle wrestling, but it is what it is, and kind of. Um, A tidbit with Swoggle, that might actually be Swoggle's last match. Uh, He had surgery today. Uh, Well, I I say today. We record this on Wednesday. He had surgery today or Wednesday the 20, whatever today is, the 24th. um, And it's on his back, so he doesn't know. If he's ever really going to really be able to wrestle again, he doesn't know if he'll ever be cleared to again. And you know, obviously, uh, in his situation as a as a littler person, um, you know, they go through health things that you know you don't always get. You know, um, and if a back injury to him is is going to be a lot tougher for a lot of people to bounce by. So we're thinking about Swoggle. Um, he always entertaining. He did a, had a fun spot here in American Ronner. And if if that's his last match, then we wish him the best in whatever he does moving forward. Um, Six man tag. Waves and Curls and Willow Nightingale defeated the Righteous, which was Dutch Vincent and Vita von Starr. Pretty fun match. I mean, Willow and Waves and Curls super over with that live crowd. And then what we call the big three Alec Price defeated Ortiz, and what was another banner win for mr price eddie kingston defeated slade and it was a quick two minutes and 57 seconds um slade no sold the backfist three times um but then you know eddie was able to beat him and eddie cut a real passionate promo after the fact um you know thinking indie wrestling and how it made him who he is today and then the main event wheeler Yuta defeated timothy thatcher post-match we had a pretty cool segment when all the aw folk Yuta, eddie uh, Ortiz and Willow um, kind of came out and had a stare down with some of the Wrestling Open folks, um, Alec Price, the Miracle Generation, and Ichabon. Um, So, you know, we'll see what we get out of that. I mean, there's some talk that Kingston might want to come back and work some more because he had so much fun on thir- on uh, Sunday night, um, and Yuta always is interested. So, I think that coming out of this show, Becca and um, uh, Rex Lawless are going to be the two that probably stand the benefit the most from the show, and obviously Price is never going to hurt by losing or by beating Ortiz. Um, as, as far as Beyond goes, they you know they'll keep doing Wrestling Open over the next couple of weeks. They they kind of run in the same universe now, um, but they their next big show is going to be um, Bish at the Beach. Uh, which is uh, at Patty's Beach Club in Westerly, Rhode Island, um, September 25th. Really cool. Like, literally, the ring is literally on the beach. So if you've ever seen clips of these in the past, like MJF's last uh, indie match was at this show a couple years ago, uh, 2019, I believe it was. Uh, really cool atmosphere. Um, tickets, you know, they typically can sell as many as they want for this show. So go check it out if you're in the area. Uh, we get got the shit crew, Slade, Teddy Goods, uh, and LMK, Galleon, Price, Willow, Waves and curls, and Ichbon. It will be all be on that show. Um, GCW. So they ran homecoming the weekend of the thirteenth. Uh, some notes there. Moxley did John Moxley retained the title over Effie. Um, the GCW world title. Um, then he was confronted by Nick Gage. Then the next night during the Cardona's wedding renewal ceremony, Gage also interrupted them. So it was definitely a return weekend for the King, a little bit better shape and he's working on a lot more. We'll see. Hopefully he's back in the ring soon. Feel like the star of homecoming weekend was Rina Yamashita, who won the Ultraviolent championship in an epic deathmatch match victory over Alex Colon really was the talk of the weekend. And then came back the next night in another death match and defended it successfully against Sawyer Rec, um, who's a big up and coming uh, wrestler in the death match scene right now. Um, and the Briscoes beat Los Misisos to win the GCW Tag Belt for so the third time. That set up some gang warfare with some other teams in the process, which we'll get into here in a minute. Then uh, last weekend um, in Concord, North Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia. They ran two more GCW shows. Nothing real crazy of note here. Just kind of making Towns brother. Um, and now we look towards All Out Weekend when GCW has a joint show set up with Black Label Pro called Four Cups Stuffed. That's going to be late night show on Friday. It's the third time they've done this opposite All Out um, Friday before. Um, we've got four matches announced for that so far. Uh, and they're kind of fun. Uh, Calvin Tankman defends the, B- uh, the Black Label Pro heavyweight title against Rich Swan speedball mike bailey goes one-on-one with kylie ray that's an interesting intergender match um and then the two that are so far out of left field you know makes you want to watch the show killer kelly and filthy tom lawler in tag action against billy starks and brian alvarez of f4w fame and uh here's the one that i will be tuning in to see joey joey janela goes one-on-one with ernest the cat miller of wcw fame um You know, he, I don't think he's going to do the Ayatollah gimmick from the wrestler, but it'd be pretty cool if he did, uh, Saturday, they're going to run their second settlement series show for IWTV during that day. As I've said in the past, it's pretty clear that GCW doesn't give a shit about these shows. Um, and they're doing it again on IWTV at 2 PM local time, which will be right in the middle of the clash of the castle pay-per-view. So, um, Don't really expect that to do well. Um, And then at night, the Art of War Games, which is uh, one of GCW's signature events from last year, is back. It's going to be a unique War Games match, though. It's going to be five different tag teams. Instead of it being, you know, two teams pitted up against each other of like four on four or five on five, it's going to be five teams of two. I'm I'm assuming that they're going to do entrances and do the same thing when, you know, it's one pinfall that can't happen until all ten are in the ring. But I guess we'll find out how that works. It will be the Briscoes defending the GCW tag titles against Bussy, Los Macisos, the second gear crew of Matthew Justice and um, I just went dead, Matthew Justice and Manson Warner and the Mega Bastards, which is, uh, you know, the the deathmatch mega powers of John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Colon. That show's also got Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver against Aussie Open, which is a cool match. Um, And then Sunday, they have Effie's Big Gay Brunch 5 which is headlined by Effie versus Max the Impaler and Kid Bandit versus Paro. Um, Now, big weekend this weekend, which is the 27th and 28th, if you're listening to this on Friday, um, for IWTV, there's a bunch of shows on IWTV this weekend. The ones to really keep an eye out for, ICW, uh, No Holds Barred, uh, has their Battle of the Tough Guys, which is a 16-man caged pit fight tournament in Sonia in Boston, Massachusetts. Some first round matches to keep an eye on for there. John Wayne Murdoch faces Aaron Williams. Schlock wrestles Slade, or whatever they're going to do. It won't be wrestling. Um, And Brandon Kirk will face the boss man of ICW himself, Danny DeManto. Um, So that'll be fun as well. Um, And then Black Label Pro gears up for their all-out weekend by having one of their signature shows of the weekend, um, of the year, I should say. Um, It is a show called Black Label Pro Total Eclipse of the Heart. It is. Afternoon on Saturday. Um, Eric Stevens is back on the show. We got Marco Stunt on the show. Um, The Miracle Generation, who I I just mentioned as part of that uh, Wrestling Open crew, was on this show. Uh, Kevin Blackwood wrestles Adam Priest. Uh, Warhorse wrestles Trisha Dora. Big Damo. Uh, is actually the Progress World Champion, and he's on this show defending against Kevin Koo. But the highlight of this show will be the Black Label Pro Rumble match, which they do just like a WWE-style Royal Rumble. Um, so that'll be fun to watch. There's always some random-ass names in that. I know the names that I've seen so far in that are Sky Blue, Billy Starks, um, You know, a couple other cool names that'll be in there, Dan the Dad, Space Monkey, stuff like that. And there's also Limitless Wrestling is going to be on IWTV from Maine on Saturday night. They're running their uh, Vacationland Cup, which is their big tournament every summer. Um, Alec Price does have an open challenge out for his um, Limitless Wrestling World title that weekend as well. And uh, there's other stuff there, like H2O's got a show on Monday. You know, there's like two other shows on Sunday. So, ton of shit on IWTV this weekend, which I we'll still say is the best $10 value in wrestling based on the indie content you get there week after week. So check it out. And, uh, you know, if you watch something and you like it, hit me up on Twitter and we'll, maybe I'll talk about it next time.
1: Yeah. Now speaking of Rex Lawless, you might want to check out his match this weekend. Just so that's all I'm going to say there. All right, let's throw it to our special guest host coming up. We are
4: here with Chad's Indie Spot. Chad Campbell, what's going on, man? How's it going, guys? Decided to uh, jump on Clothesline and Headlines. I think the last time I did a spot on CNH, uh, I was talking about 205 Live. So, uh, pretty stark departure from that in 2018 or whenever. I know I recorded that from some uh, hotel room in the middle of Georgia. That's That's the only thing I remember. Two o five live talk. Where was I for that? <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> like,
4: Big big two o five live guy in uh, like twenty seventeen,
1: twenty eighteen. Yeah, we were like, oh, this Drew Gulak and Cedric Alexander banger. We got to talk about it. Let's go. 15. Well,
4: yeah, I mean that was part of it. I mean that you know that kind of wedges in the indie spotlight. But I mean Gulak had been one of my guys. Since oh, yeah. The ants and Chikara, like I was uh, a big ant fan, <laughs> and then uh, and then when he w- was in Evolve and the Catch Point stuff, like 2014 through 2016, I was really big with him and Hot Sauce and like Thatcher. So I-, I loved their grapple matches. So those were kind of my guys. You his,
2: grapple, his... fuck you, Chad. Yeah. His CZW, like championship run was really cool, too.
4: Yeah, I've watched uh, a good bit of that because I was in and out on CCW uh, really since like a while since the uh, Ring of Honor CCW feud. But the bits and pieces I've called of him in CCW, he had some good character work and some really good matches there as well.
2: Yeah, he got fans riled up. It was pretty mm-hmm. cool.
1: So here in 2022, Chad, what kind of Southern <laughs> promotions are you into?
2: Uh, so I've had a little bit of a
4: revival. Um, I, I, th- I think this is kind of common, just the way things worked out. Oh, I mean, I, I kind of associate it like for my money, I would say Chris heroes, uh, in my opinion, like the best independent wrestler of all time. Like I just kind of strictly see him as an independent wrestler. And when he got signed the second time in 2017, uh, that seemed to kind of open up the floodgates to then, you know, from between 2017 and 2018, it just felt like everybody was signed. So, anytime you got behind somebody, whether it was Trevor Lee or Cedric Alexander, even, or then like Anthony Henry, you know, he even got signed for a while, or Chris Hero, you know, just run down the list. Like, everybody seemed to get snatched up, Darby Allen. Uh, so it got a little depressing for me to watch the Indies, Mm uh, for a while there. And then, uh, with the speaking out, that didn't help either because there was a lot of, uh, Indie talent involved with that. So it was, it was kind of a real dark time, but, uh, I would say the one interesting thing with COVID and we'll get to it on the people that I'm digging lately and the most is, kind of COVID seemed to reset things uh, a lot. And now there's this new crop of talent uh, all over the indie landscape of a bunch of uh, wrestlers that are, you know, 22, 23 or younger uh, that are making a name from themselves still kind of raw, but that's, that's something I loved. Like, you know, when I first got into indie wrestling in 2001, watching, uh, Wes Hatch's compilation tapes, uh, the the innovation of the moves and the rawness and just seeing the growth of the wrestlers um, was something I always kind of clung to. I, I still have in my mind, if there was some way to do kind of the equivalent of a baseball prospect rating system for mm-hmm. pro wrestling, I, I've always loved that. And I, I do generally, when I watch... Uh, younger wrestlers I think of that like oh he has like a plus character or you know like his selling is plus level or etc and kind of see areas of improvement or areas they excel in um so on the on the uh, southern indie landscape in particular I've uh, mostly been watching I I, I don't know that kind of group them all together they're basically the Dylan Hales uh, adjacent uh promotions that he either helps run or books Uh, but I think that gives you like a great variety it's usually the same individuals uh, a lot of kind of the same guys wrestling each other uh, but it's in different environments Uh, so I do live about 45 minutes from where action wrestling uh, promotes in Tyrone Georgia and I just think that's a cool atmosphere like I like the building they run in uh, you're able to pack, I don't know, maybe 300, 400 people in there. So it doesn't look, you know, desolate. Uh, but it's also not one of these kind of cavernous gyms that some indies run where the uh, the crowd heat just loses it, you know, because it's too big a building. Um, I think that's one of the unfortunate things. So I also went to the Scenic City Invitational Night 2. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and I I do think that's one of the unfortunate things about the gym they run. I know that it helps uh, a lot of It's a fundraiser for the school itself, so that's a good cause, but just because they're in this huge gym and there's a couple under fans, a lot of times the atmosphere gets lost a little bit. Uh, It seems like there's a little bit of a disconnect between even the people on the floor seats and the bleacher seats, but overall between action wrestling and sup sup that runs the nashville area now that carries more like a bar atmosphere uh in the basement east arena they run and then twe has kind of came on it's it's a little more of a I don't know how to describe it. Maybe like a, a hodgepodge of different of uh, different promotions. It's not as kind of rough around the edges of sup. It's not as family oriented as action, uh, but it also creates a middle ground. And again, I just like uh, seeing the different variety of wrestlers working different variety of styles within those three promotions and then they also branch out of course and do uh, f- a few other promotions like some of the work terminus uh, when that was running Jonathan gresham's promotion uh, also this any promotion with the scenic city uh being promoted uh people like kevin Koo and dominic Greeny are working that uh, time bomb pro promotion in north dakota which is a a really obscure spot to see any <laughs> wrestling. Um there's some pro too. Yeah, it's it looks like um I, I, the the place they're running their shows in. It's a really cool venue too. It's uh I don't think it's an actual chapel, but it does look like like a wooden church chapel. Um, so it it has kind of like, like a cool aesthetic to their shows as well. A little deadwoodish, um, which being in North Dakota seems to fit Fargo kind of fits the theme for me uh so yeah i mean i i you know like as of now like do i think that i'm watching the next like crop of surefire main eventers that could be wrestlemania main eventers like, like i did feel like with honestly uh like dragon and punk you know around 2002 2003 no but uh i do think there's a lot of talented guys out there and, you know, and and to be honest like i'm i'm watching the, the year 2001 like retrospectively right now and mm-hmm. if you had to ask me like you know name one person that's going to be a main eventer for years to come coming out of this class i mean i'd pick loki so you know i mean there's always you know there's always some like unexpected things that happen a uh, little bumps in the road so it's it's been fun. I I, I feel very uh, rejuvenated and revitalized in the scene currently.
1: Cool. I went through that in two thousand sixteen seventeen. Got into a little of that with Drew in our interview with Beyond. But it, the indie scene does grab you. It sucks you in. And that baseball prospects thing is definitely something cool. It's like oh that guy can work on his punch, but man, can he sell? You know that stuff is that's really cool to look at him and it's really cool to watch him grow. He did a great job going off of it. Now, the only promotion that I really caught since talking to you and kind of organizing this was SUP. Uh, yeah. I, watched, I, I threw them on uh, IWTV last night after uh, NXT. Try to catch just catch up on some of the stuff you you, you buzzed me with, and that at, at, atmosphere was pretty cool. But I watched that like gauntlet thing.
4: What was that all about? I think it, there was a thumb wrestling war match. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's not the <laughs> best indication of that. Um, I I would say Sup at their best, like Dylan has a lot of uh, punk rock roots. No, oh, but it was cool. It is uh, in his past, and so Sup is is definitely like the most punk of the promotions that he books. That's um, a good way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's, it's a unique, it's, it's definitely more edgy than the yeah. other promotions that are run, like with the action and TWE. Well, I just put on their latest show and that, you know, that just happened to be in it. Yeah. started.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that, and I was just like, the, like you said, the atmosphere was cool. It was, it was yeah a little edgy. The, the look was, um, Punk is a good way to say describe it. it. Was it was grimy but clean, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, the thumb wrestling match did get me. And um, <laughs> Pineapple Pete had a hell of a run on that. Um, <laughs> in that gauntlet match,
4: he but, had a late run. Um, he had a late yeah. run. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, some of those guys like uh, Cabana Man Dan. You know, like he. <laughs> I mean, he's entertaining. So, so like Cabana Man Dan though was like uh, when uh, IWA Deep South was running in Alabama in like 2006 and whatnot, 2005, 2006. Cabana Man Dan was getting his start, and then he's just one of those guys that feels like dropped off for 10 years, and then all of a sudden's back, kind of like Slim J in some ways, like was working, but just like real smaller shows and the video. Either they weren't taped or they weren't getting any distribution, um, and then all of a sudden they just kind of come out of nowhere and are still having these indie matches, uh, but now are are available to watch on IWTV or whatever.
1: Hey, man, you know not going to convince me? My favorite all-time indie wrestler is like Sexy Eddie and like Fe like two,
4: two, yes. 2017 Fe. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? So like the gimmick is right up my alley. So anyway, uh, Speaking of guys, give us a you know just a handful of guys say say five or so of guys that you're just kind of into that kind of grab you like you talked about earlier and then just maybe a little synopsis on like like what you see in them in a way too.
4: Yeah, so I wanted to pick five guys that I think uh, guys and girls uh, that I thought could uh, you know I I with all five I'd put them in the prospect list. I think there's varying degrees of that. But um, I I thought all five have a strong upside. I'll I'll kind of just start uh, rolling up. The person I think is the most raw that I picked is Jackson Drake. Now, he's actually the only one that has not – I've only really seen him mainly in PWF in North Carolina. I know he he also uh, does some more Northeastern. Stuff uh, is part of a tag team as the wrestling prodigies, um, but but his stuff that I've seen on PWL, he he's been pretty exciting. I think, uh, you know, very young guy. I don't know how young he is. I, I would guess he's maybe in high school or just graduated. So we're talking about like Nick Wayne, you know, like, like extremely young. Um, but he seems to have a good kind of baseline of uh, moves. I thought. Uh, given his build, he kind of comes out with a uh, uh in, in pwl he has you know like a little bit of a shooter you know pretty generic look but his strikes were very uh nicely executed and his selling i thought was uh stronger than i would have guessed uh which i was uh happy to see like he, he um the The latest PWF show just dropped, and I mean, I thought he was it was very enjoyable in that match. And he, and I think, the reason I picked him and I like him is he's uh, I've watched him with a variety of different size guys, so with other junior heavyweights uh, such as like Kobe Carino, you know, like smaller guys, Eli Knight, who I'll get to next. Um, but then also, I've seen him in there with big heavyweights like Bojack, and uh, he's he's uh, acclimated himself well with that. So he's someone that I mean, you know, full disclosure, I've pushed to Dylan that I would like to see him in promotions that Dylan books. We'll see if that ever comes to fruition. But he, he's certainly someone that I've been like, okay, like I, I really feel like he's true, like ground floor, ground floor. Um, which which is always cool. Again, it's a, you know it's like hearing the band before they made it big. Like uh, one of my favorite things still on any podcast I've done is in 2015 or 2016, some year end show. I think I was on main event with Scott, and I talk about how I uh, really like this guy named Sammy Guevara. And, you know, just like what he was doing, <laughs> these random Texas Indies, I watched him have a match with Raymond Rowe uh, that was excellent. And just he piqued my interest there and continued, obviously. Um, so so that's the first one. Jackson Drake. Next No, uh, like? oh, Jackson ahead. Drake, real
1: quick. W- what level? Single A, triple A, double A, where you putting him?
4: I'd, I'd put him at a, I, I would say he's, he's, he's one of those guys that you just drafted and he's in like, you know, your, your low a level it, but it's his first year in the organization. He's tearing it up. You you may want to give him a cup of coffee and like high a, you know, uh, in the last month of the preseason or of the, uh, of the minor league season. So, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would say his like, you know, if we're talking about like an ETA on when I think he may be one of the, you know, best wrestlers on the indies and quite frankly, worldwide, which, you know, the final guy on my list, when I get to him, I'll talk about that. But I think he's absolutely like top 10 worldwide in 2022. So for Jackson Drake to get to that level, like, yeah, we're talking. Three, four years out, probably.
1: Cool. Just a little, uh, you know, just a little wrinkle, that I wanted to throw at you.
4: Yeah, sure. Uh, Next guy, Eli Knight, also a younger guy. I mean, well, all these guys are young, so I preface for that. So I won't keep saying that except when it's really obvious. But Eli Knight, again, I've seen him work tags, Um, seen him have some really cool high spots uh, oriented matches. I really liked his match in the first round of the scenic city with myron reed i thought for like an eight minute balls to the wall spot fist oriented match it was about as clean as you could do that type of match uh very enjoyable for what it was uh and he's somebody that i think is really continuing to grow and uh to use your uh your baseball analogy again i would say he's now made it to like high a and he's starting to get more chances uh at the last action Show it was cool to watch. I was sitting next to the uh, the merch booth where he was sitting, and um, at the end of the uh, tag team match with Sug D. Uh, they, uh, Matt Griffin, who uh, runs action wrestling, it felt like he called an audible. I mean, if he, if it was planned, he worked me, but I saw him kind of go over and tell like, he you know, do a run in and like Eli Knight started doing a run in and came in with the chairs and stuff. Um, you know, he's getting more chances. I think he's getting out there more and more, uh, good look, has a good frame, high-flying, but uh, also has some technical chops as well. So, I mean, he's definitely one of these guys that's like he's plus-plus on high-flying, on speed, uh, but is not – I don't feel like he's totally uh, spot-fist-oriented to where, you know, as he gets older, if his body starts betraying him with injuries or whatnot, he really just can't you know, acclimate himself to any crowd. So I, I think he has more substance there. Cool. Uh, next, Billy Starks. I think she's, I, I don't even know if I would consider her Southeast. I mean, she's all over the place. She's in Game Changer uh, from Indiana, of course. So I, I don't know. But she, she's definitely prominent in a lot of the Southeast promotions. In some ways, I think she probably should have won the Scenic City Invitational. Um, she had
1: the biggest I, spot in it. <laughs>
4: yeah, I mean, and she definitely made the most news. Uh, you know, the good and bad with that. But you know, I digress. She, I, I mean, you know, she was accomplishing getting her name out there. She did for the weekend. So there, there you go. Uh, you know, obviously uh, everybody knows she's seventeen still, extremely young, but, senior in uh, high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think the cool thing with her, um so I've taken my boys to a couple of wrestling shows and uh, she really has a good connection with them. Uh, they, they really are drawn to her and her persona. Uh, but what I am most drawn to with her is her striking. She in a live environment can throw some shots and uh, they look pretty <laughs> stiff. So they, I mean, she, her striking uh looks very on point in both tape and live settings. So that's exciting to me. Like I I, I would think like kind of if you just see her with kind of the uh very colorful gear and skipping out to the ring with the emo music, like you kinda think, all right, you're getting I don't know, like a more high spot oriented match. Um and she does mix that in. But her striking is, I would put that at plus level. So, I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think Billy Starks will be on national television. What next two, two, three years probably? I, I just think that's going to happen. So. Yeah,
1: she's in the Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez
4: projection. Yeah, so I, I don't think that's going to be a surprise. Uh, next guy on my list, also, he's he's twenty one. He's someone that I don't like his name. And when I first saw him, I was like, I don't know. This could be very gimmicky. But now I'm fully on board. And it's Noah Hossman. Uh, have you seen him, Ryan, any? I have not. Okay. So he, uh, up to like two months ago, was doing kind of a combination of Rick Steiner and Dr. Death Varsity Club. Like that's probably the closest comparison. Like he would come out in a letterman jacket, but he's also wearing the wrestling headgear. Oh, I um, did see him on the sub show. Yes, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. So um so he was doing that and he was, he, clean. Yeah, he was clean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really good basics. Uh I think he's somebody that has I mean, he obviously has good size. I think the cool thing is he uses his size well. Um, I mean, I love Keith Lee, but the fact that he was flying around like he was 220, I mean, there was something to that. So it was nice to see somebody use his size well, you know, throw his doctor bombs, um, kind of be the ring general, et cetera. Uh, but I think Hosman's growth, he's somebody that I think grew the most uh, from the latest season of Uncharted Territory. So he won the Discovery Gauntlet uh in the latest season of Uncharted Territory. And over the course of those twelve weeks he went undefeated. Oh wow. And uh and you could see his progression and the character development. So now he does not come out in the headgear and the um and the Letterman jackets. He has a new jacket that kind of like an old timey uh, brown uh, rancher type jacket with tassels that I think looks great. I I think it's awesome. Uh, The cool thing that I like about Haussmann is uh, also shout out. He was very nice to my kids at Scenic City. So that got props for me. But um, he's a face in T.W.E uh, a face in the kind of Tennessee promotions. Um, so it gets a really good face reaction and him and, uh, a guy I'm not talking about, cause I'm a little lower on, but he's obviously on a pretty good role. Jaden Newman, him and Jaden Newman are both heels in action. That's, that's really the only promotion they're consistently working as heels. Um, they get great heel heat in action. And, uh, Hossman's interesting because like Jaden Newman, I think, is way better as a heel than a face. I do think Hossman is actually better as a face than a heel from what I've seen, but it really feels like an action, kind of a long-term feud that they're leading up to is when Hossman's going to turn on Newman. Um, and if that happens in action with the heel heat that Newman generates – and Hossman, which I just said, I prefer him as a face. I think he would get over, like, gangbusters with that crowd. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that program. That's like Chad's, you know, 2023 fantasy booking. But I, I think that's where, you know, slowly but surely they're heading. And I can't wait to look at that. But uh, Hossman's someone that, you know, I, I think given his size and given his potential – He's to me, he's someone that has the greatest growth where right now he's he's kind of like your power home run masher and double play. Uh But I, I relate him a lot to, you know, maybe like Austin Riley on the Braves, like a very high touted prospect. But someone that you didn't necessarily think could be an MVP candidate. When he got promoted into the big leagues and I do think Hosman, in the right situation uh, with the right opportunities could be that where like all of a sudden if it's 2025 and you know, we're heading into double or nothing and it's like, wow, well, I can't wait for the Hosman uh Daniel Garcia match you know that's <laughs> third from the top it's like okay yeah that sounds like that could happen you know so um that that's that's just what I think with him I I I, I really think he has potential and he's grown like leaps and bounds in the past two years like incredibly um and then the last guy's Adam Priest like Adam Priest is the guy I talked about. Like, I, I don't know. If I made my short list of wrestlers of the year for 2022, admittedly, I haven't watched an obscene amount of uh, 2022 wrestling like I have in years past. But, I mean, my my list is pretty short, and Priest is definitely on it. You know, like him, Speedball, Moxley, Danielson, you know, whoever you want to put on it, like Priest, Kevin Cooley, uh Priest is in the conversation for me. Like, he... Uh, I, th- I think it's easy to make, like, the James Gibson comp. Um, Looks just like him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he has that, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Oh. Um, And I and I think what he has shown, too, this year is, again, like, he can go up against bigger guys. Like, his brawl that he had with J.D. Drake in uh, action on their prior show in June, a great brawl. Like, in a, a really strong brawl. Um, And the thing I just like about Priest is the fact that he... uh, One of my other favorite things about the Indies, besides seeing the growth of the guys, is being able to have, like, all these feuds. Like, that's really why I resonate with someone like Chris Hero. Because Chris Hero, you know, he's, he's, like, the best opponent for Eric Cannon. He's the best opponent for Danny Daniels. He could be the best opponent for CM Punk. Like, he has all these feuds throughout his indie career that you can point to and say like, oh, that was a great feud. That was a great feud. That was a great feud. And Adam Priest has that. Like he's uh, had a couple matches with Anthony Henry. They're one and one, both great matches. They're matching up again at the next action show. Uh, He's had four or five matches with Kevin Koo now. The last two, the one in the finale of the, uh, Uncharted territory was the 40-minute, like, epic, kind of strong style-type match that I greatly enjoyed. The match in action that I watched live I thought was pretty exhilarating where Priest wins uh, the title. It felt kind of like a changing of the guard. Um, I just think Priest is is great. I think he'll be on national television in the next year and a half two years tops he's ready like he's ready to be promoted now he's he's polished he looks good he has character uh he's versatile you know that's his kind of his gimmick like any style adam priest but he i think he lives up to that he he can brawl he can wrestle uh he can work as a face he can work as a heel uh, he does the roll tide bullshit, which drives you nuts if you're a Georgia fan. So he he, uh, he he has it all. I mean, he's he's just a great, great indie wrestler.
1: Yeah, Georgia. Who'd they ever beat?
4: Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Cool. Well,
1: Rossi. I threw a task at you to give me five Northeast New England based guys. I give you Chad's list of five. You know, you don't have to go digging deep in the weeds like our boy Chad did, but I what's here, the five guys you picked and then give me the five matchups that you matched up up against, against Chad. So a little North versus South action here.
0: Oh, perfect. Perfect. And you know, what's funny is I put these names together, um, you know, based off a list that Chad gave me, um, (laughs) you uh, had yesterday or so and and listen to him you know i've seen these guys all wrestle but listen to the, him talk about them though i was able to link all my guys back to him in a way which is kind of funky um that i kind of worked out so first and foremost i'm gonna go with uh jackson drake so because i feel like him being kind of the the low a one um i'm gonna give him a guy that's been working um really just kind of came into his own and uh wrestling open up here um, in Worcester, Mass., in, in the Northeast. Um, Ichabon, with numero uno, he just beat Max Castor on the No Respect show, which was right before American Rana. Um, actually beat Castor twice in a three-day span, which were Castor's first real losses um, in the wrestling open run. Uh, kid kind of came out of nowhere. He uh, showed up. So a little, little backstory. There was a company that was – I don't even remember who it was going to be. I think it was um, Blitzkrieg. Um, which is based out of Western Massachusetts, yeah. they were supposed to run um, during the rest of which is right over the new year. And this was a couple of days before wrestling open was starting. So on like 24 hours notice. they had to put a wrestling open, like what they called soft opening show together. And everybody from the, the school um, you know, that uh, you know, but the Northeast school that, that everybody goes to up here um, was telling drew, you know, we got to get this Ichabon guy up here. He's ready to go um so drew was kind of hesitant because he didn't really you know get the look he was a masked guy just didn't really see a lot of them um so he's like all right screw it let me put him in uh in with alec price who's going to kind of be the face of wrestling open they did a main event they did a hell of a match ichabon's been the top guy there since (laughs) basically other than price so um that's that's where i would give jackson drake because i feel like they're kind of on that level like maybe ichabon now has gotten a little bit more exposure because of the open and like he was in that show closing segment at the end of american rana um so there's gonna definitely be a lot with him moving forward uh that i think he's gonna really be elevated over the next couple of months so i really think him and drake would be kind of a cool match um a little bit older than than drake is but i feel like they're kind of still in their infancy of their careers so i feel like that's a matchup that would really be good and i feel like their their styles would mesh pretty well um, then moving on, we're going to talk about Billy Starks. Somebody here that I really thinks is coming to her own, and I'm going to keep this non-intergender, um, that's really come into her own with um, the last few months has been Becca. Now, Becca, who just scored a big victory over Masha Slamovich and American Runner herself, um, just came back from a tour of England, just came back of a tour of uh, Germany for WXW. And what I really find interesting about Becker is kind of what I what I really have seen in, in Billy Starks over the last six months or so. Um, Billy Stark started working heel for Black Label Pro. And, you know, you think of Billy Starks working heel and you kind of like, all right, how is this going to work? But she did a pretty good job. She she came off pretty detestable when she was doing it. Um, and that's really where I really started to enjoy Billy Starks work, because once I see that versatility in somebody, that's when I really start to, you know, get into their their prospects, right? Um, because you never know what what happens when these guys get to TV, right? So I see, I've seen that a lot with Becker in the last couple of months as well. You know, she was, uh, I forget, she was, she always wrestled with scrunchies. She was like, u- like Uber, like over the top, almost like Bailey level babyface face and what she was trying to do. Um, and now she's like this vicious heel for beyond. She still works the baby face for everybody else, but she has doing that beyond character overseas as well. Kind of like, I don't even really know how to describe it, but kind of like Ryan, help me with this. She's kind of like, I don't want to say trashy, but she's kind of got like the ghetto, like trashy, like new Bedford feel to her.
1: Yeah. New Bedford's a good way to put that. He's Matt Souser, Jace.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think Becca is kind of more seasoned than Starks is at this point, but I really think they're kind of on a similar career trajectory that i think they've really kind of really gone to the next level this year because they've shown balance in their character now these two have had a match before i did some research last year but not anywhere near the level that we would put her on now so um we would i'd put billy starks with becca and i think they'd have a really good match becca really showed out at at ron so i'd I'd like to see that and starks was great her one match up here for beyond too. she worked uh, kimberly and kind of a surprise match on a on a show back in um March that was headlined by Ortiz and Jonathan Gresham. So had a really good match there. So I think that, that she would really shine in that environment as well. Um, Eli Knight, you know, I really like Eli Knight. Um, Seen a little bit of him. I think that he would mesh styles. I had to give Alec Price to somebody. So I'm going to, I'm going to give Eli Nate Knight the the, um, rub here. Um, Price, who I I can't say enough good things about. I think the kid is probably going to be under contract at some point in the next six months to a year. Um, He's really been kind of, pegged as the as the ace of beyond wrestling now and not just wrestling open i mean in the last couple months he's beat guys like biff Busick, ortiz marshall samovich willow um, hot sauce tracy williams matt Taven, blake christian ricky shane page he's kind of beaten everybody Um, and those are all some of the the most famous names in beyond wrestling history as far as like you know those names that he's beaten so he's the current limitless champ he's actually funny enough to the sup Saw champ so he's kind of seen his way down there as part of the ongoing northeast versus southeast um you know battles that they've had going on on twitter um he won the title up here during Restival, and, and he's kind of been going down back and forth since um i think knight and price would be an awesome match and i think that would be something i'd love to put together now hossman noah hossman very interesting as i picked this guy before i really realized that he was the guy that was running through the discovery gauntlet but i'm going to take the guy that won the discovery gauntlet the last time it ran up here as a singles tournament or singles run which was slade um now slade and hossman have been on a couple of those cards together for uncharted season four um i had to get Slade in somewhere and i feel like he's the only one that would have fit here but i really think that um you know, he squashed Aaron Rourke to close Discovery Gauntlet in season two, and then he defended it once on a dark match against the kid that's now Nathan Frazier in NXT. That's an interesting match. I want to actually see if I can find tape of that. Uh, but Slade and Hossman, I think, kind of be a little bit more of that big Hoss battle. and And I really think that Slade needs to be able to show more of that that match he had with Kingston at Rana, which was super quick, but they were trying to do strong style. They were trying to kind of keep the weapons out. I think that's going to be Slade's next evolution. And I feel like a match with Hosman would really get him there as far as like working more of a, of a big boy chop, big boy, like almost like Japan style match, see how it works. I don't know that it would hundred percent mesh well, but I think that any Slade match, you kind of roll in the dice anyway. So I feel like this would be a good opportunity for that and then adam priest um i was I was on the fence with this because i didn't want to really give him somebody that's like more on the national scale, like a Yuta that we still get a ton of up here, or like a hot sauce that had the r o h run so I found a parallel with uh Trisha Dora, so this will be our one intergender match that I have here now Adora, former member of the army um team three d trainee um from washington but why where I really link these two together is priest has done some. Some job work for NXT and and AEW, as has Trish Adora, NXT, AEW, even a little bit of ROH work. I feel like these two have just a little bit more seasoning than the rest of them do. And I feel like they're both kind of what Chad was saying about Priest. Adora really excels in that mat game, but she's kind of shown over the years, over the last year or two, an ability to do whatever style she needs to do. So I feel like her and Priest could really be creative with a match together. And, I mean, Adora's beat, you know, beat Lefisto at um, American Rana. She's worked a 60-minute Iron Man match with Tony Deppin. Just consistently been kind of at the top of the food chain up, up north with uh, women's and intergender wrestling. Did a little bit of GCW with For the Culture. But, I mean, I think Trish is someone that's in crazy shape. Um, you know, former Army, like I said, she's never really you know, given up that, that level of intensity. Um, and I really think that this is two that would really have an awesome match together. So those are my five, those are my five matches. And, and here's the deal. I would put that on a card tomorrow and I think it would be a hell of a show.
1: Yeah. Uh, Trish is definitely the most polished girl versus Chad's most polished girl. So that even though it's intergender and I'm not the biggest intergender fan, that's a pretty compelling matchup. All right. So Chad, you take those five matches Rossi just threw at us. Any you want to change? Any you want to tweak just to kind of put a little buzz on this? Put a cap on this.
4: I, I think that was a good uh, good kind of meshing stylistically. Uh, I do think Slade and Priest in particular could have a banger, like, seven-minute war round. <laughs> that would be... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Great to watch Uh, Alec Price versus Eli Knight An interesting match Um, I I think Alec Price would Match up well with most anybody But uh, I think uh, him versus Eli Knight Would be good because he could give the rub night kind of helped him with his progression overall Um, and Trish was somebody I was looking forward to in the scenic city but unfortunately she couldn't make it so uh, they had to sub her out uh, due to transportation problems but um, I I would guess she'll probably make her way down to the southeast at some point sooner than later
1: very cool all right
4: Chad we're gonna have to get you
1: over on the Get you up here on the Mason-Dixon line and get you to a real indie show. Is that how you say it? A real indie show? (laughs)
4: Right, right. Sure.
1: (laughs) All right. We're going to get someone to book all these shows. Who's it going to be? What say (laughs) you guys? (laughs) All right, Chad. It was a blast having you on. You brought the heat. Rossi, great job. You brought the heat as always. And uh, we appreciate you, Chad, as always.
4: Thanks for having me. Anytime.
1: All right, Chad. We'll catch you next time, buddy. See ya. And thank you to Rossi and Rocco and our two wonderful guests, Jennifer and Chad, for this episode of Clotheslines and Headlines. And we'll catch you time.